Live from the res here, special guest, Mr. I should say Dr. Paul Cuero Jr. from Campo Kumiai Nation. How you doing today, sir? Doing good, thank you. Thank it's, you for inviting me over. Yeah, it's good to have you here. Um, you know, I plan on having you here a long time ago, but with COVID and everything, it's been hard to kind of travel and do public stuff. Uh, how has that been for you? I bet there's been a lot of things you haven't been able to to do in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, because I'm and one of those people that have a lot of those um, symptoms where I got diabetes, overweight, and, and I did end up getting it though. And um, but I had the shots, and so I didn't get it. When I did get it, I didn't did get really sick. I was really lucky, you know. I just had like a headache for three days. I didn't lose my taste or nothing like that. So I was pretty lucky. It you know, didn't take me out like I see, like we heard from so many other people. But yeah, it's 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 been cumbersome, dude can't go places you can't do things i know like me and my wife sometimes we would uh take drives we'd go through the desert you know wouldn't get off nowhere but we'd take a drive to go through the desert and look around go to the ocean you know then that was good i mean it was good to get out there and and you know and when we got sick we did that too we took a drive through the desert came all the way back around and went to the to the ocean and we're you know saying you know this is good medicine for us to get out there and just to be out there in this environment because you know we don't go to the ocean as much as like i would like to you know something that belongs to us you know we could say this is our home you know we're right now we go there and it's like all these other people <laughs> i know the feeling i went down there one time for uh, uh that program native like water ran by mark chavez he invited me down to go down and speak and whatnot and I went down there and he had um, a bunch of our native youth from the different reservations. And then he invited their parents and he just had a bunch of, you know, res natives down there. And I, I was looking around, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen so many of our own people on the beach. Like every time I've gone down there, it's like, you know, uh, my family or just a couple people. And, and then and all these other people who are, are not indigenous to the land, but that's our indigenous coastline. And I, was, I told Mark, I said, man, this is pretty cool. Everywhere I look around and all I've seen right now is native and native families, you know, and mm -hmm. it's like, that's probably what it was a long time ago, but you get so disconnected. And I'm one of those guys that I never grew up going to the beach because like yourself, you know, our reservations are pretty far from the coastline. So to go to the beach is something I didn't really grow up doing as much. And so because of that, I don't really swim much. I'm not a water person as much. I don't take my shirt off and things like that. So, but to be down there was cool because my kids were, they were in the water and they were enjoying it. But uh, yeah, it's weird. You go to the coastline, our coastline. We're like aliens in our own little spot there. Well, you know, when when I was a boy, we did go to the to the beach a lot, and uh, we would swim way out there. Me, my dad, and my uncle and uh, my cousin, we'd swim way out there past the waves, and I wasn't afraid. Today, <laughs> I'm afraid of the water, like sharks. You know, like different things. But you know, when you're young, you don't you don't you don't know things. You're not afraid. But uh, now, you know, like, uh, uh, the worst thing for me is walking on sand. <laughs> That's a workout. You're not doing the Rocky Montage where he's racing against Apollo? Yeah. <laughs> hey, with the uh, the COVID, you said you caught COVID and, and you got past it. You are able to get past it. And thing. were you pretty nervous about it, the long-term effects of it, like with uh, your ability to sing and to speak? The people call upon you to do a lot of things. Many years now, you've been a, a cultural teacher, singer, leader. You know, with Pion and Bird and, and our storytelling and, and our histories, all the different things you do, were you worried about uh, COVID kind of taking that from you a little yeah, bit? Yeah, well, I was aware. You know, like I said, we've seen so many people pass away from it. And I remember putting on Facebook, well, you know, I got it and I hope I make it. You know, that's all I could say, you know. And um, 
and there was, you know, like a, a Bobo was going to get married and I was supposed to marry them and I got COVID at that time and I couldn't do it. And, you know, and I was telling them, you know, I, I want to, but I don't want to get nobody else sick. You know, I don't want, you know, for somebody else to get it. One of the young men that used to sing with me, he passed away and I couldn't go sing for him either. You know, the same thing. I had COVID and I, I, I couldn't go. And, um, you know, I felt bad about that because, you know, I wanted to be there. But I didn't want to get nobody else sick either. You know, like I said, especially our, our people who were dying from it. You know, and I didn't want to carry that burden of giving it to somebody and somebody to pass on. So th- it, it did take me away from two things that were very important to me. But, you know, that's but I had to look for their everybody else's safety. As well as my own, you know, like I said, uh, I didn't really have a, didn't really get sick. And I was fortunate with that. And, uh, you know, but there were so many of our people that weren't, especially, you know, when we look at the, the desert, you know, a lot of the river tribes that were losing people left and right. And um, and then, you know, even some of our own people believing that it's not true. You know, you know yeah, you could come. like, <laughs> Yeah, you got to, someone's got to say, just put the foot down. And be like, you know, if it's... um. Let's go with error on the on the on the side of safety. Yeah, just to be safe, just in case. Uh, was there a period of time uh, in the middle of all that where you just like for me? I know I had a lot of stuff going on, and then it seemed like I remember going to L.A. to USC, and I had to, had to do an event up there, and then we had uh, intertribal sports had a uh, a basketball tournament, and my kids were involved in that, and I went for like one to the next, and I remember just seeing like it on the radio, and I remember in L.A. people were starting to wear masks. And I was like, what's going to happen? And it seemed like that week after, it must, I don't know, I got all these calls and everything I had planned for the next, like, whatever amount of time was just, was uh, was kind of put off. You know, I said, well, we'll let you know when we reschedule it. Did you have, like, a, a chance to actually sit back and relax and kind of enjoy some time off? Or were you pretty busy through the uh, pandemic? Yeah, still pretty busy. I mean, still saying different places. Uh, you know, then, t- you know, like... Uh, for me, I don't like wearing the mask because I can't breathe. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and I go to Dallas now, and as soon as we get there, they put a mask on, you know, and check your temperature because, you know, everybody in there is dialysis, so, you know, they're afraid that you can wipe people out, which is, but, oh, God, I can't stand sitting there four hours with that <laughs> mask on, and it feels like, like I said, at times where I can't breathe, you know, I'm like, God, I... And then when I get into um, the van with the driver... Uh, I take it off, and she don't mind, you know. It's just like you know, she wears hers though, but I don't have to wear mine. I'm happy about that. And and then you know, like going to stores, some places you gotta have a mask, some you don't. When do I carry it? When do I not? <laughs> Did you have you tried to sing with one on? Did you give it a go at trying to sing with the mask no. at any point? No, no. <laughs> I did. I, I tried to sing. I sang for about ten minutes, and I had to take it off. I about passed out. You know, I didn't realize how much you, you yeah. were breathing, you're intaking. And every time I take a breath in, like the mask would get on my face. Finally, I had to take it off. And yeah. uh, I, I thought I was going to pass out. <laughs> so I'm not trying that again. But I have seen people wear like the face guards, the yeah. shades. But I hear that those aren't really effective either. So might as well just kind of like keep distance, I guess. Um, the other thing I know I personally do is take hand sanitizer. Seems like everybody wants to yeah. shake your hands. We go around, so I'll sanitize around and stuff like that. Um, have you have you changed what you do a little bit your your protocol to try to deal with all of that? Um, carry sanitizer around, I guess. You know, um, my wife is real like, put some on right away. Okay. You know, like okay, you know. Um, 
But, you know, I mean, that's about it. Just carrying that around, carrying the mask around in case I do need it. You know, like I said, you know, it's so, it became so political now that it's just that, you know, if you don't wear one, people will be yelling at you. If you wear one, why you got one on? It's just like, you know, um, and, you know, it's just, it's the controversy over it now. It just, to me, got way out of hand, I think. I think they're putting too much caution to it again. I think that, you know, now we've kind of gone through it. And uh, and to tell the truth, you know, uh, when you look at some of those other diseases that we've had in the past, where it's killed millions of people, this hasn't really done that compared to our population's a lot huger now, too, around the world. And so, um, but I think one of the things that, you know, that, that we're not talking about is that... Um, you know, um, look what our people went through when they first came. They think uh, disease ca- killed more than than the the wars did when they first got here. Uh, just wiped out a lot of people. You know, and it's simple things: chicken pox, measles, things that we didn't have immunity to. You know, that's why you know when you look go back and look in our in our culture. You know, when the uh, Spanish flu came around, we still had medicine men that were in Manzanita. And they vowed to protect the people, saying that, you know, we're going to protect our people here. And none of our people, they said, got, got that um, disease. So we came through it. Today, we don't have those medicine men. That's what's scary because we always had people that were looking out for all of us. Today, when I look at our people, we're kind of more separated. and We don't look out for each other like we did, once did. That's when our culture starts to, to, to slide and that's what's scary because the very things that, that we do ties to our culture and our belief system. And when we start to lose these things like that, we're left to turn to. What do we turn to? You know, Because our culture has always been very strong to help us get through things. And when we don't have that, I think that's where we see uh, more and more people lost. You know, like, uh, for instance, I've, I've seen people having birthdays for people that are dead. And I'm thinking, you know, wow, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Why didn't you have that when they were alive? You know, the, and for us, you know, that's, you, you're not supposed to speak of them. They're not supposed, you know, supposed to let them go. The old people say, you know, if you hold on to them, they're not going to want to go to the to where they're supposed to go to. But again, you know, when our people don't know our own culture, they're they're not dealing with those emotions, which our culture helps us to do that, to deal with the emotions of these things. And if you don't know our culture, then it becomes, well, I'm going to have a birthday party for this person that's dead. Wow. Why? You know, it doesn't make sense. But that's what happens when you get away from your culture to help you deal with these things that um, that would help you get through it. You know, we have we have these rituals that's designed so that you know how to um, deal with it. You know, like a uh, long time ago, cutting up the hair, painting yourself, your face black. And all that was to, to do was to when somebody came and approached you, they seen that they knew that you had lost somebody. Meaning when they seen that you had lost somebody, I got to be careful with my words because this person's in mourning. So there was ways that we knew when somebody was in mourning. So we knew how to address them. You know, that, hey, they're going through something. 
So now my demeanor needs to be different. How do I, you know, uh, how I approach this person? Today, you know, uh, you know, like uh, for us, my mom used to say, you know, uh, tonight we're going to spend the last night with this person. This is the last time. And that's, that's, that's huge, you know, that this is the last time we're going to spend the night with them. And it goes by so fast. And yet our people are not willing to do that. And then then we wonder why later on they kind of go crazy. It's like, because you didn't mourn and you didn't, you didn't follow our protocols to help you get through this. And that, that then it becomes, you become unhealthy. Your, whoever's around you becomes unhealthy. And, you know, again, we had ways to deal with this to, to help us get through these things to make sure that we stayed healthy and we kept our family healthy. And, you know, I think that when we look at our culture, we had a lot of things that were in place to help us with any kind of uh, situation that comes across, like COVID, you know. Um, you know, everybody's staying home. We had nobody to, to you know, uh, to remind us, hey, you know, uh, do these things, you know, like smudge, you know, um, smudge your house out, you know, um, because that, you know, they were, they now find that, hey, and when you do that, it does kill a lot of germs off. But that's something our people already knew. And we didn't have people that coming forward, you know, saying, hey, this is what you need to do. Do this every day. It will help you get through this, uh, this um, pandemic, you know. So we don't, we don't have these people. And, and, and even the people that we do have, sometimes we, you know, oh, they don't know what they're talking about or, you know, instead of building ourselves up, we're so quick to pull ourselves down. And um, that's that's new to us. That was never our, our methods. That's why we had all this different, um, you know, things that throughout our whole life, you know, like, hey, you're going to become a man. Well, we're going to make you. This is the ceremony that says you're a man now or you're a woman. You know, I mean, so we had all these things in place that taught us how to be good humans. You know, good. Uh, of course, we've always had bad people, too. But, you know, I know, like, they, they, they told a story, like, a um, long time ago where uh, in Weapai, there, there was a village there, and there was a young man. He was shooting arrows at white people, and they kept telling him, stop, you know, because they're going to come back, and they're going to kill us all. They got guns. And he kept doing it. He thought it was funny going shooting at them. And they said, what are we going to do? And they said, okay, this is what we're going to do. Everybody that sees him tells him, tell him, you don't look good. You you look like you're sick. You know, and after a while, people keep telling you something like that. You start to believe it. And he said, I better go see the medicine man. So he comes over and he tells him, you know, and he said, okay. And he makes this concoction and says, here, drink it. He drinks it. He dies. And that's how they got rid of that person. You know, like. That's one way to do it. Huh? Yeah. Again, yeah. because he was, could cause them all harm. Yeah. And so for the betterment of the people, well, gonna have to do this we warned you we told you but you didn't want to listen this is this is your this is the outcome today we have some things like that at a reservation where we have people that do a lot of things but we won't stop it we won't say hey stop it or leave here 
we'll say, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're members and yeah, but they don't have that right to, to cause harm for other people. And it seems like the stakes have really kind of increased with uh, fentanyl and these, uh, the different opioids, you know, yeah. the pills and the addictions of those. In, in our area, I know we've lost people to COVID and a lot of people have gotten sick, but that same time period, we've lost, I don't know what the numbers are exactly, but I know that I've been to way more funerals for overdose yeah. or of, of fentanyl and things like that. And it's like, well, how do those, those things get into our communities? Well, somebody, somebody is bringing that into our community, welcoming it in. Um, sometimes that's welcomed in through a relationship, a handshake. Hey, this is my friend, you know, and they start to meet people next, you know, they're, they're having, you know, they're sharing that, selling it, doing whatever, but that's brought into our community. And it's like, if we were to, uh, you know, kind of band together more and, and, and keep that out, we wouldn't have that in our community, but that's a real epidemic hitting all of America, especially Indian country. I know in our region, my res here, we've lost a couple young men. One was a ex student of mine, good young man, real respectful. And he went down that road and he didn't have the opportunity as a lot of our older individuals have, even some of our leaders, which is to kind of go down that bad road, learn, grow, yeah. turn it around and then become an asset to our people. He didn't have that opportunity. He was young and that was that. And it was, you know, it's terrible to see, but um, it's something that we could help prevent if we. Well, I think that, you know, I'm for one that, you know, like you, you want to do that. Okay. But don't encourage somebody else to do it. Don't be giving it to somebody else. What you do for yourself, you do for yourself. That's all right. But don't be handing it to somebody that don't have the wherewithal to say, you know, because most people think of it as cool and it's not. Because like you said, we've seen all these deaths happening uh, around our communities and and it's a lot of the times because somebody, like you said, introduced it here, try this. Like I said, you want to do it, go ahead, you do it. But don't pass it around. Don't encourage somebody else to do it uh, because it, it, it brings our community down. And, you know, and I we've seen so much change within our community, like... Um, in a sense, like I was saying, you know, we don't care for each other like we once did. When something like that would happen, people would come, you know, somebody die, everybody would go to their house. How can we help? What can we, you know, what bring something, you know, because, you know, people like that, you got to, you got to eat, you got to drink something, you know. I know you're feeling bad, but you still got to do this. You got to keep your strength up. We don't do that no more. We don't go see nobody when they when they're somebody in the family dies. We don't go over there and say, you know, how can we help? What can we do? Um, we're we're losing that that humanity that we've always had that always made us strong. That that's what kept us why we're here today because we could, would come together and we would help each other. And today we see that not happening. And to me, that's it's, to me it's scary. You know, because sometimes I think people only care about themselves that if they could sell the reservation, they would do it if it made them good. Um, you know, and and that that to me, that's very scary. That that's that that's, you know, that's that's where, you know, because we're not taking the time to even sometimes when people I know people know each other and they still don't help one another you know where you know a long time ago somebody knew something oh you know i i know how to frame okay can you come help me oh yeah i'll come on help you 
and somebody might know how to do a roof. Well, I'll come and help you do that. You know, and we just always helped each other out, you know. I know, like, you know, my mother, where I live now, we, there was an old house there, and it burned down. It burned down. And, uh, you know, my mom was a little girl. Well, her godfather, he he built, he, he knew how to build houses, and he built a house over there at the bridge, you know, we called the bridge house. And he told my um, my 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 grandfather, because that was his compadre, he says, you go live in that house. I don't want to see my goddaughter. You know, you guys got... So he, he even signed the paper over, signed it over and said, here, I give it to you guys. I mean, wow, that's, that's huge. That, you know, you, you build this house and I don't want my goddaughter, you know, here, here you go. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I can't imagine that happening today. Yeah, it's giving a house over. <laughs> yeah, and you know. Trying to sell it or get something out of it. But that's how we were, you know, that, like I said, we took care of each other. You know, like, uh, you know, I can remember too, like, you know, when somebody died like that, we're going to go kill a cow. Mm. So we have meat. You know, of course, you know, today, a lot, nobody on our reservation has cattle anymore. It's that, you know. But when they did, that was the first thing they, oh, we're going to, we'll kill a cow so that, you know, we can help out. Yeah. You know, and, um, that used to be the thing for a while. Like it was kind of like if you hear that vroom vroom, you know, it was like you knew you were on a res because of the cattle guard. Yeah. The res had a cattle guard. I think ours they've actually taken them out, some of them out, and cemented over. So there's no cattle guard. It's gonna be crazy. The next generation won't even know what a cattle guard is or yeah. anything about it. But yeah, the the late uh, Tom Hyde when he when he was around, um, when we lost my brother, uh, he he came and donated a cow for the for the anniversary and the, you know, some of the ceremonies that were taking place and. It was just a really kind gesture, you yeah. know, was taking care of uh, another family like that. And I remember when uh, when we lost my brother, I was, I was just a young guy. I was like 10, 11 or something. And uh, and I remember I, I remember people from the community coming in to help like that, whether it was to help dig or sing or uh, cook and, and just like donate food and, and things like that. And I remember as a kid just thinking like, man, that's so that's so cool, you know, that the people come and help like that. And my parents were really going through it and people came over and sat with them and yeah. uh, brought food and brought things, you know, and just spent time with them throughout the week and really throughout that whole year. And that was something that I think we get away from too, where our population has increased so much where I know most reses have tripled in population in yeah. the last 25, 30 years. So because our population's tripled, that means there's going to be two or three times as many funerals and two, three as many times, everything really. And I think what happens is sometimes we forget, um, to do some of those old school things because we, we are having to go to so many funerals. We are having to do so much of that, that we forget that it's not just that day or that week. You got to check in on those people throughout the year leading up to that anniversary and, and beyond, you know, and kind of have that empathy for one another. Someone's angry or they're complaining or they're having a bad day. <clears throat> it may not be that they're um, upset with you. They just might be having a hard day because they're going through something, grow that empathy and, and, and kind of remember I think like you were talking about earlier with the, the painting of the face, the haircutting, those are very powerful symbols. And when you yeah. see that and you know what that means, you stop yourself in your tracks and it allows you to have that empathy and that yeah. understanding. And I, I see a lot of power in that for sure. But I remember as a kid seeing that. And some of those guys now are older. You know, they were young young, and uh, and now they're older. Um, one, one of those gentlemen, uh, Chuka Pingleton, Chuk, uh, I remember he was there helping a lot in that time. And uh, he was a young man then. Now he's older, you know, he's, he's an elder. Hey, 
But uh, he's a, he's he is one of our elders in this community and helps get a lot of things done. And uh, I know recently they had a, a class and they they asked him to come in and, and yourself and some other leaders in our areas to come talk about um, the grave digging tradition, you know, and the the funerary traditions we have, and trying to make sure we put our people away in a good way. And uh, when I saw his name on there, I thought that was really cool because you know he came even. When I was a kid, he was coming. He was a young guy, you know. And my brother does that. I'm not. A, I'm not a digger myself. I'll get in there once in a while, but um, my I don't. I don't. Uh, <laughs> I, I stick to the singing most of the time. But uh, my my brother he does that. And uh, but there's people in our community who do these things, you know, yeah. that come to help, and it's a beautiful thing to see. And I know that not every area is strong in each one of those areas. You know, there's uh, whether it be cooking or, or digging or singing or whatever. We have to rely on other communities to come in yeah. and to help us out. And that's what keeps really all of us strong together as a nation and beyond. Well, like you said, you know, like when I was a boy, uh, Dora Tsem was a, was a cook. And she would come to camp, oh, Manzanita, you know, she, she, she was known as a cook. So, you know, like you're saying, people, you know, they'd contact her and say, can you come and do this with us? And she'd always say yes you know like you said it was uh now our communities are you know they're they're they are growing tremendously and uh, but then now too we we fight over enrollment you know and um which is uh you know uh it, it puts family literally family against family and even brothers and sisters you know uh like you know at my reservation we don't count all of Kumeyaay blood, we only count Campbell. And we've had a lot of intermarriage. And it's like, you know, it don't make sense. And I, you know, and I, and I tell people, I said, you know, if you go back to our traditional way, this is how they handled it. You know, so when you, when a, when a man married, well, that woman went to, to his tribe. They didn't say, oh, well, you know, hey, your kids, you know, uh, they're not full of this. No, they didn't look at it like that. You married into that family. You're now that. And that's why, you know, even in the language, you learned your father's language. You know, like uh, like I remember one time I was talking to Delia, and she was telling me, I would teach you Indian, but, you know, I didn't learn your guys' dialect. I learned my dad's because her dad was from here. Her mother was from Campbell. She said my brother did, though. He knew He knew both really well. And she was saying that you know I, you know I wish that you know but that's that's how that's how they kept that them strong them strong like that, and that's why they would say sister tribe, well that's that's my sister's tribe over there you know because that's where she's from now, you know and so I mean there's there's just a lot of that history that you know like I said so they didn't you know when they had kids well their kids were right from there from the father's side they didn't say well. Well, technically, you know, the mother didn't come from here. They didn't look at it like that. Yeah. The one thing that they did do, though, was they would take them back home. You know, like, so their, the wives would go back to their reservation and be buried. So there was not this, you know, and then, too, you know, we had these over there in Hakamba. They call it Tabletop Mountain, but there, there's an Indian word for it. I don't know it. And that mountain there was used for uh, intermarriage. And what they would do is they would have this huge ceremony and they would call all the neighboring tribes and even out as far as uh, Hopi, uh, Total Autumn people, and then, uh, of course, uh, uh, Cocopa, even even Luceños. 
because they knew that we couldn't keep marrying within with that, you know. So they would have this huge thing because that mountain's really big and flat. And would, they'd have these things where they would bring the young people to marry off. And, you know, like I said, the men, they, the women would go with them. And that's how they kept, you know, so they didn't, you know, look at it necessarily like, you know, okay, you're not full Luceno now because your your mother comes from over there. They didn't, and we didn't look at it like that either. Mm-hmm. You know, you're now you're you're part of this. You're you're our family now. So we didn't have to look at you know, you know, like today where we're you know, like um, for instance, um, I I know like in my reservation the first time it happened was with Rosie Pinnell. They said because she married a non-Indian, and the old, our grandfather at the time said, well, she got where's she gonna go? We're gonna. She's gonna have to build. She. This is her. You know. So, that was the first time where they were allowing the women to bring in men, because they were they were marrying non you know non Indians. So it became like that ever since. But that that did diminish that she's not my relative anymore. Or you know, you know if she would have had kids, if, that they would not be my relative. Yeah, they would be my relative still. You know that's the one thing. Like I always remember my grandma used to say. You know that, that's my grandson. No matter how what he is, bad or good, he's still my grandson. You know, yeah. I, yeah. There's things he does that I don't like. He's still my relative. He's still my family. You weren't shunned because, yeah, maybe you were the town drunk or what do you call it. You didn't look at, you know, too. You know, when we look at it too, like I remember, like there would be people drunk, but you know what? They'd come and they'd rake and they would do different things in the yard and, you know, like uh, they they didn't just you know like. Why worry about nothing? No, they they would do things, you know, uh, and that's why you know, like, well, one thing we always say is we never had homeless, yeah, because you know, family would somebody would take them in, eh, they'd stay a week over here, a week over there, but we never had homeless because we'd always take care of our people. My mom used to say uh, when I was a little kid, it was I forgot who it was, but uh, it seemed like he used to go to every res, and there would be like a few guys there that were like you know really drinkers, you know, or real drunk and. The drunks or whatever, you know. And she'd always say, you know, you'd always treat those guys with a lot of respect. She'd say, because those are the guys that will probably be burying you one day, those kinds of people. They're the ones yeah. that, that show up and, you know, do a lot of that stuff. <laughs> and it's, it was kind of true because I, as I got older, going to funerals and stuff, you would see a lot of those guys in there, you know, digging, you know. Yeah. And they'd be drinking throughout or whatever. And you would never see it when the funeral came, you know. They'd go under a tree somewhere or they'd get, you know, all the cans out of the Clean it up, you know, and it was yeah. all decent. Yeah. But she would tell me, like, well, those people, a lot of times they have – uh you know, they have really big hearts, you know, and they lose someone, they're really emotional and they just drink through that, but they're still there to go dig or to help or pick up trash or, you know, you can depend on those people to really have big hearts to help like that. And I was, I was glad she told me that when I was younger because, like, growing up, I I always kept that mindset dealing yeah. with people in different reservations that, because I, I never drank, you know, until my, you know, late 20s. I was getting married. I had my first drink, you know, and then I drank a while and stopped. So I, I didn't really go to that as much. Um, I had a couple wild weekends here and there, but uh, hey, but um, but no, just you know, seeing uh, that in our communities to realize that everybody can help in some way, and yes. everybody has like a place or a piece of right. what we are as a community, and I think that's like a huge part of the lesson to to not step over your people and just be like, we're all here together, let's enjoy it, help out where we can. Well, you know, and the one thing too is that when people were mad at each other, something like this happens in the community. They'd lay that to the side. We got to do this now. We got to make sure this gets done. And after it was over, they go back to hating each other. Well, okay, but they knew when. Hey, when something happens here, 
we got to lay that to the side, and we got to do we got to do for these for, for our people. You know that that's you know the one thing that our people were always is about sacrifice. We always sacrifice for each other, where we don't see that as much anymore. And you know, and I look at it sometimes too that sometimes it's not their fault because they don't know. No, but you know, like when I look at my reservation, a lot of people came back, and uh, so they didn't they didn't grow up there knowing these these things, you know, and so they don't know, and it, so it's not their fault. Once you start to learn and you see, and you're not doing, then it becomes your fault because you're not participating in this community. All you're doing is taking. It's all about you know, like in our creation story, I always tell that you know the first thing that the creator did was give us tobacco from his heart and said, here, use this to pray with. So what he was showing us how to give first, because in return, who we were going to pray back, we we're going to pray to him. So it was going to come back to him. But that's that's about what giving is. You give, it'll come back to you. That's one of the first lessons that we should that in our creation story. That's that's the first lesson that he's giving us. Give, because he'll come back. And and so when you don't know your creation story, which you know a lot of people don't know. Well, then it becomes, you know, again, like I said, not their fault. It's just that we have to start putting it out there. And that, and that's right now, Barona's working on that, trying to put a creation story together. And, 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 and there's different versions of it, you know, like, you know, certain things. But again, a lot of it's all about how to be, you know, our morals and our values and our ceremonies that come out of it, come out of the story. Uh, all those things that uh, that have been dormant, you know, that we need to start bringing back. You know, of course, you know, some of the things, you know, like um, I was told, the reason why we don't have a lot of medicine men no more was that my Uncle Tony said that he lived with our grandfather's name was Payun, and he was a healer with his hands. He said that that one day that those medicine men knew each other from the different reservations, and they got together and they said, we're going to burn all this. Because everybody's changing, they're, they're they're changing in their ways. This stuff is too powerful. They don't know how to handle it. And what they were talking about is because the initiation stopped, and the initiation was to give you your power. And when you when we stopped doing that, they were saying the young people don't have that power to be able to handle some of this stuff. So we're going to burn it all. And that's what he did. He said. So one day he goes. We I was. He goes. He used to have this little house. He said that you know that made out of brush and he said he told him he said we're going to go out there and we're going to burn all this stuff and he said all his sacred things he had was all in there and he lit it on fire and they burned it and he was asking him why are you why were you doing that and he said because we we had made we had all said we were going to do this because nobody's going through the initiations anymore and they don't have the protection like they that they would get if they went through this that's why you look like you there's a lot of old photos of the um lot of dances that are being done at at uh, San Isabel and every year it becomes less and less and they were saying because no men were going through the initiation and all there were old old men and once they died out they, that that died out cuz they you know and one of the things that that they did right in front of the public you know like when they'd had fiestas like um you know like uh they'd have this big bonfire and they would go out there and stomp it out and they wouldn't get burned. Their regalia didn't get burned. And it was saying because they had this power. And, you know, and it would amaze the white people. They're like, oh, my God, look at them. And they'd be in there stomping it out. Another one was when, I um, uh, can't remember his name, but he was a La Chapa. 
and he has this golden eagle, and it's huge. They show a picture of it. It's huge like that. And he has it. He's holding it. And he says, I'm going to show you people what power I have. He's telling that to the crowd. They're like, there's white people there. And he took at that eagle, and he blew on it. And his head fell over, and it died. And he said, look, it's dead. Look. And he showed the people, look, it's dead. Now watch. And he turned around and grabbed that eagle, and he blew on it again three times, and his head came back up. And he said, I have real power. I'm not like that, you know, like another tribe I won't mention, where they <laughs> they take the um, the rib and they crush it, and it goes through the heart, and that's how it dies. And what he was saying, I'm showing you what power I have. I don't have to do that. I, I could do it with just my breath. And so, like I said, you know, it falls over. He shows everybody he's dead, and then he brings it back to life. That's I, what I have is real power. It's not it's not like smoke and mirrors, I guess you could say, but yeah. he's telling the people, you know, and they take that eagle and, and they explain it all. Like he takes it because they're going to use it. They're going to use the feathers to to make one of those um, satches, like, you know, with those, that, what they wore and then that eagle skirt. And they took that eagle and they tr- treated it like a human. They sang over it, buried it, and, you know, they and they used to say, like, you know, when they would go get eagles, they'd get young ones, and they would raise them. And every morning you had to get up and feed it and sing and dance for the eagle. And they said the eagle would know when it was its time. You know, like they knew they were going to get sacrificed. And like they'd be crying, calling out, because they knew their time was coming. I mean, so just that, that think of that that power and, and, and the... The, how we were so in tune with nature and all these different things that how we... One of the things that Ori said, um, I think her name is Ori Roberts, she's a geologist, and she said, here in, in, in this area, there was a 250-year drought. But we didn't leave. We, we, we withstood it. And, and that was so amazing, she was saying, because most people end up leaving because they're looking for water. And of course, then, you know, that's why when you look at our story of our creation, that's why we say my ha, because the, the, the creator, his name was Tuchopai, Nomiyokomut, and he told him, I'm going to change my name to my ha. When you need rain, call me. Because we know we're in an area here where we don't get much rain. So that was always a reminder that, hey, we're going to need water. We can't forget our creator. We must call upon him. I mean, man, that, you know, that's, geez, that's huge. That's great thinking but as we get away from this stuff now we we look and we're like hey we need rain we need water you know look at the reservoirs drying up because we're not calling on them we're not using that we're not saying come which we were always told that you know that's why i mean so i mean it's when you when we look at our people and just how remarkable they were you know and you know i always tell people you know science is just kind of catching up to our spirituality you know, because we believed everything had a spirit to it. You just didn't go and take. You had to give thanks to it, and you had to give it to, you know, pay homage to it and, and tell it what you're going to use it for. I got a, a, a paper that, um, God, I can't think of his name. He was, he's a white man, and he was um, somewhat an amateur anthropologist. And he lived in Mesa Grande, and he was real friendly with the Indians up there. And um, he heard that there was going to be a Karuk ceremony. And over there, they weren't doing them no more. So he wanted to record it. And somebody had told him, and he comes, and it was in Weapai. And here comes this white man, and you know, everybody's looking at him. And uh, they send somebody to go ask him, what, what are you doing here? Because they, they kept this thing quiet because they were afraid of white people would break it up. And he said, uh, I wanted to come to see this. And they told him, okay, you, you, you know, and he talked about, you know, like, uh, but the were who was a medicine man in Mesa Grande. 
they knew who he was over here. And they said, oh, okay, we know who he is. We'll let you stay. Because he said, I participate with them. You know, they took me in as a brother. And, and so they knew who, all these people he was talking, they knew him. And they said, okay, you could stay here. But you can't write about it and you can't take pictures. And, and it's good because yeah. it kind of gave us an insight to what was happening. And one of the things he says is that all of a sudden out of the desert come these Mohammedans. Um, and um, and he says, you know, the, like our people, he's kind of saying, like, you know, we're kind of all heavy set. But they come up and they're like, they're you know, strong, <laughs> yeah, in shape, you know, like. The ones that can make it to the desert at that time. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know. And uh, he's saying that they're, they're like sinew, they're just strong, like, you know. And he talks about, yeah, there's a lady that comes from Canajos, and she must be like 300 pounds, is the biggest woman I ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> you know so like so anyways they come in and what it was is they asked them to come because again the family's not supposed to do things so they're having somebody else come and do some of the so first thing that they do they say is that they're gonna go get the wood to make the house and the only thing they take with them is a gourd rattle and he said because they're gonna go and they're gonna sing and ask these things to sacrifice themselves so we can have this and so they go out and they have it they already have the brush already set aside for the roof and stuff, but they need to go get the, you know, like the pillars. And so, like I said, all they take is a gourd rattle because they're going to, you know, um, sing and, and ask, you know, what we're going to use it for. Today, we don't ask for nothing. We just take, right? You know, you know, we're just, you know, we just think that that's just the way things are today. But again, those things have spirit. Everything has a spirit to it. That's, you know, like I said, so when you're looking at those people, they were so much in tune to these things that you just didn't, you know, like um, they showed that um, that somebody lighting a piece of weed and they have these um, electrodes hooked to it. And they're saying that when they're burning, it's doing this because it's feeding. And they were like, they didn't, you know, like, well, that's why our people said everything has a spirit. They, and it's, it's, it's alive. It's about that, that, you know, a sacrifice. And, you know, and so everything around us is always sacrificing. And that's what we need to learn how to do ourselves is how to sacrifice, you know. So Anthony Pico, uh, our chairman here, um, who's been chairman for a long time. Now now John's our chairman. But when I was growing up, it was always pumpkin. But uh, years ago, you were there. Uh, I don't know, it was probably about six, seven years ago, maybe. They had, Saquon had a – they got all the singers together. We are all there singing and, and talk about it or whatever. And, uh, and he got up and spoke. One of the things he said that I thought was pretty cool is he said that out of all the things, you know, you know, learning songs or going around or whatever, you know, as a younger guy, we're going to politics. What he felt like he had really learned was how to help the people, how to give. Yeah, That's what he said. He said he learned how to like, because he's like, you know, you, you do that long enough, you, you know, you wind up in pretty much every community singing for every family, you know, and you just you learn how to help them. And it's you might show up and there might be people who don't like you or you don't like them, but you're there for to help. Yeah. And you, you're giving and you just kind of learn how to serve your people. And he was, he was saying that that translated for him uh, going into politics and being a chairman because you do put, you know, any kind of hard feelings you might have towards another family, you know, away because you want the betterment of the people as a whole. And he said he had learned that from Bird. And I thought that was a pretty powerful, you know, idea and concept. And, and I could totally relate and understand that because you really do thing for everybody at some point or go yeah. there to try to help everybody at some point and people come and help you when it's your when it's your turn it seems like uh leroy the late leroy elliott used to get up and always say that too where he'd yeah. kind of point to the front row and say we all have to sit there you know uh, at some point meaning that we will all have to lose somebody and we're all gonna have to take that trip that journey we're all gonna have to yeah. pass on 
And it's these basic bare things kind of teach us how to be as individuals and how to be as individuals in our community where we are of service. Uh, do you, you feel that same way? You feel like that yeah, kind of guy? Well, you? You know, exactly. You know, uh, one time I was talking to that Leroy, you know, and I was saying, hey, Leroy, let me ask you something. Do you ever feel like not going? And he looks at me and he's just like, oh. But I would never say nothing. I said, yeah, you know, sometimes I don't feel like going. But I said, but once I get there and I, I, I forget all about that, and, and, and I said, but there's times where I felt like, I don't feel like going today, you know. Uh, you know, I'm tired, and, but I go. And I said, but then when I get there, that all disappears. And he says, you know what, Junior? He goes, I've, yes, I've felt like that many times where I don't feel like going. What he said, I know it's the right thing to do. So that's what I, you know, and I said, and then too, he said, once I got there, it all went away. But that's, again, we're just like everybody else, you know, we're everybody. You know, so there is times where, yeah, you feel like you don't have that you don't want to go, but you got to do the right thing. That's what it's all about. Again, you know, you're helping somebody. We all we know how people feel so grateful for it. Thank you so much. You know, and, and that for me, that goes a long ways that, you know, when they tell me that I feel, you know, uh, thank you. You know, you, you make me feel good when you say that, you know, even though I come here to help you, but you're you're showing that appreciation of it. And, 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 you know, like you said, everybody has a role. Everybody has a role. And if they just came there and do it, things would go by so smoothly and, and easy. You know, cause just like you were saying how we had that the meeting about the grave diggers. Well, in Campbell, two weeks before that, there was a funeral and there was no grave diggers. And at the last moment, they're calling Bobo, can you come up? So he brings Michael Royal and and then he calls uh, Ben and uh, they finally get a couple people to, yeah. to to do it. And and what it was, you know, they said, well, we called Rich. Well, Rich was out of town. Yeah. And so, you know, we were saying the reason why we're having this is that nobody should be asking you to come. You should just do this. This, you know, and you, because this is your community, you're helping out, and it, and it, you know, like because what we're saying is nobody's taking their their kids there, you know, uh, to show them, you know, like, uh, hey, you know, you, you know, like I said, you know, like I remember, like we had graveyard cleaning. My dad would say, hey, we got to go up there, we got to go clean grave. We would go to Manzanita, we'd go to Old Campo, and we'd go to Hamul. Those are the places that we would go help gra- graveyard cleaning. He'd say, we got to go over here. You know, he was showing me this is what we, you know, this is what we're supposed to do. You know, this is, you know, we, because they come up here and they help us. We got to go down there and help them at their time. You know, and today, you know, like I said, you know, um, T. Sam. Uh, the Ted. Ted, yeah. Yeah. He, and, and what he said there was so uh, profound. You know, he said, you know, when I was a young man, I could take that jackhammer and easy i'm not that young man no more i can't do it i can't you know i need help and i needed to start teaching some of you young people how to do this because you know and i was telling them like in our area we're coming to certain parts of our area where you're going to need a jackhammer we're, we're starting to find out yeah. where before it was never like that so our grave diggers up that we were never used to using a jackhammer because we've always had soft sand you know and it, our whole thing was making sure that it didn't cave in. But now we came to a couple of places where it was really hard. They were saying that we might have to get a jackhammer. 
But again, you know, you got to have people know how to use it. And that's what Ted was saying. You know, I need to teach young people how to, how to do this. And, um, you know, it, and I said, you know, the, the one thing that, that we always had, we always had pride in the things that we did. When somebody came to our reservation, we took care of them because that, hey, you came here, we take pride that we treated you right, that we made sure that, you know, we have pride in our reservation, but in the wrong way, you know, like, oh, we're the toughest or we're, you know, we're this or that, you know, like, you know, that's not nothing to be proud of. Our pride should be that, hey, people come here, we know you, we get taken care of, yeah. you know, that they make sure we have something to drink, something to eat. That's real pride. That's pride in taking the, that. This is what our community does. Again, you know, the, the long time ago when they would have fiestas, you were invited. And so when we'd have fiesta, they'd say we would invite viejas, we'd invite Manzanita, Costa, and uh, Hamul. And when you guys, when they, when, the, when they would come, we'd have to have a place for them to camp, firewood, water, because at that time, you know, there was no electricity and stuff. So if they're horses, we had to make sure we had feed for them. So we took care of them because we were inviting them to come and, and celebrate with us. So we had to take care of them, make sure that they had, and same thing down here when they would have it over here, same thing. They would take care of them because we had pride that you come to our reservation, we're going to make sure you're taken care of. Now that, you know, like, wow, that, what happened? How did we lose that, you know? But that's when things were more community, you know, we're, we're a community. And that one thing that my parents always instilled in us was that this is your community. What are you doing to make it a good community? You know, like ever since we were little kids, they would take us to the tribal meetings and say, because someday you're going to be sitting here and you got to know how it goes, how it works. You know, we used to sit there like, I don't want to go, you know. Then they started feeding at our our meetings and boy, I like to go there. (laughs) Because after the meeting, they would have a meal. Yeah. And and we had a cook. We actually had a cook that uh, his name was Hardy Jones and he was married to a tribal member. And he would he would do all our cooking. We would have Christmas dinners, we'd have Thanksgiving dinners, and he would be the one out of cooking, and and the people would come and eat together. We haven't done that. Now people are like come in there and they're oh, give me a to go box. I'm gonna go. Not even yeah. stay. Yeah. And it's and I'm like, oh. I've seen people show up. Hey, it's good to see you. Go straight to the to go box and then leave. Yeah. Because it's COVID now. They have the yeah. boxes. It's like I don't even think they came with this like it was a doings or a funeral. Like I don't even think they went to that. They just went and got their box and left. Which I mean, I don't even think it would at least get up there and shake the hand of the family or somebody. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I've it, seen that. I've seen that. You know, like like we said when we did our, our gathering, we would um, have lunch. You know, for people that got there early, our own people were coming and taking it all and going back home. Hey, and and you know like. Or two, like, uh, they would come and get the shirts. Uh-huh. Wouldn't stay for the gathering, but yeah. wanted the shirt. And, you know, like, uh, well, and finally we started saying, no, they got to be here to sign it, and then they can have it. Yeah. Because they were coming there, well, this person needs a shirt, this and that. You know, like 20 people. One <laughs> person come for 20 people to take 20 shirts. And it's like, we do this for people that are coming here, that they have a memory when they go home. You know, not, you know... <laughs> It's rough. I know one time I went to a gathering and uh, I said, can you sing, you know, in a little bit? Oh, yeah, sure. So we were kind of waiting around for our shirt and eat or something. But the way the scheduling was, they said, okay, if you could sing now. So 
we got up and we sang for, I don't know, half hour or something. But I swear, right when we started singing, two songs in, I seen that line go up. I was like, eh, whatever. But by the time we got done, we got up and they were like, oh, there's no more shirts and we're out of food. I was like, oh, man. Yeah. But I mean, it happens that way, but it's nice to get a shirt. So anybody out there organizing stuff, put some shirts aside for some people, man. I used to do that with Pion. Because, you know, like we'd have people come in and we'd get all the shirts out and they'd all be gone by the time the evening came. Yeah. And then all the Pion players would come rolling in in the evening time, you know, ready to play. And I always felt bad they never got shirts. So I'd always like splice the shirts. I'd say, let's put that's smart. Let's put yeah. aside and give them to the Pion players and they come rolling in. We should have done that. Because we never, I mean, like I said, by a certain time they're gone. Yeah. Just, just, and I would be like, okay, forget the shirts. That's such a big expense anyway. <laughs> yeah. Make your own shirts. Yeah. But, uh, Pion, Pion now is a big crowd. Like it's, I want to say sometimes bigger than the, the daily gathering. You know, you yeah. get a big crowd rolling in. I know back when I was first playing, I had to be like mid nineties or something like that. In this community, there was only one active player, and that was John. John was a young guy, yeah. then, and he had he started a team with uh, myself and uh, and Parker, uh, Sammy, and uh, Adam. We were the young guys, and, and Josh Craddock. Anyways, he got us playing. Parker was our driver, and us four would play. We went right. We went everywhere. He had a girls team. He started, but we would go around. And it was always like the same three, four teams in the in the boys category, or division. In the girls, there's usually one, maybe two teams, you know. Yeah. And then the men's, there was a lot of old guys that are, you know, they're all gone now. But there was only, you know, not not a lot of teams. You you were playing. You were you were well established. You and Steve were already jamming out playing together. Um, there wasn't a lot of Pion back then though. It seems like you guys um, were the ones who kind of got this new generation that that plays now the men now that yeah. play it seemed like they all came through yourself through john yeah through, i guess up north uh, the northern areas must have been like the Wachenos, i guess well, only king, a few guys it seemed like well king, king yeah they, they were teaching young men too at that yeah. time because like uh, i remember like um bobo and wiley were the up in san isabel they were doing a game there and and, and joe late joe Wachenio was in charge of it and they came and they, they had their hundred dollars no it's not kids this is men's, you know. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, Joe, there's no, you know, they got the money, let them just play. Well, he said, oh, okay, we'll let them in. They cured her out the quick, really quick. But yeah. At that time, there was no boys teams, you know, like that, that they, they wanted to play. And and I remember Davey brought them over. He said, I want you to teach my boys how to play. And I was like, okay. So I was sitting there and, you know, I'd put, put the peons there and I'd ask, okay, which is the best shot that you could get the most? And it took them a while. Finally, they learned it. And I, I, for me too, when I first played Pion, you know, Tony gave me a tape and he said, "Learn these songs." And then he sat down with me and Leroy and he goes, "This is the shots. You hear it one time." <laughs> you know, the first game I played was me, Leroy, and uh, Tony and uh, Dave Toller, and uh, we played in Weapai because that's why he's going to have a gathering there. And he told us, you know, I want you guys to play. So, you know, I, I learned the songs, you know, I was ready for that, but I did not know the shots because he told us one time and I, and I could not get it. You know, I would sit there and, and we'd make Dave shoot first. Dave shoot, because we didn't know, you know, like what to shoot, you know, for fun way. yeah, we knew that. But in the middle, <laughs> Dave, go ahead and shoot. And so, you know, he'd shoot. And then one day I was sitting over there with uh, one of Jose's sons and he's the one, I was sitting there behind them. They were playing. And I said, I don't know the shots. And he's sitting there, watch me. Then he goes, so when they would shoot, he said, okay, this is what we're shooting. This is what we're saying. 
And I was like, oh, and it was so simple, you know, yeah. once you got it, like, oh. But I remember, like, I couldn't, I was like, oh, you know. And, and one thing that Tony always used to say is that we only shoot the white bone. We don't shoot the black. And he and, and now, now that I, you know, because he was telling us, he said, look, because, you know, it's kind of confusing in the sense that when you're saying, Weta, Weta is, is uh, slang for white. It really came down to the fingers. So when you, so like he, like he was saying, we only shoot the white bone. So when you were shooting a Weta Chico, that's when your fingers were like this, Weta Chico. So you're saying the whites are out. Okay. That's where that, that's why he said, you got to hold your hand out there. Hold it out there like a man, you know, he used to tell us. <laughs> you know, don't be good shooting and bringing it yeah. back like that. Yeah, you know, he yeah. said, hold it out there like a man. But he was saying, because then I was like, well, Weta means white. And then when I said, okay, so that's what he's saying, right? That the whites are out. When you're shooting a Chico or you're shooting a Grande, you're saying all the whites are out. Because he said, yeah, you never shoot the black bone. But I remember when we were teaching, we were saying, like, you know, when you're saying Weta, you're talking about the black bone. But really, that wasn't the truth of it. It was really, you're only shooting the white bone. And your fingers are the ones that are really showing it. Like when you're Weta Chico, you're saying the whites are out. Meta Chico, you're saying they're out. Or they're, Meta, you're saying they're in, right? You know, Meta. So you're pointing one finger like that, and you're saying they're coming together. And when you're saying Weta, you're saying they're the outs. And I was like, oh, man, you know, that... Because when I was asking uh, one Mexican guy, when I was show, showing him a shot, he goes, oh, that don't, don't make no sense. Right? <laughs> yeah, I always hear that from people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like, and then, but then, like I said, when you, what's called, you're sh really putting your fingers, you're really showing, yeah, we are shooting the white bones, we're just saying they're out. It really meant, you know, so, you know, there's always been this controversies, what are you saying or what are you pointing? And it really is the pointing, it's not with the words because the pointing is really saying what it is you're saying they're out and so that's now we have a lot of kids that we need to go back and start telling them you know it's about the fingers and it's about the pointing and when you really look at it that's how the northern tribes play it's all about the fingers you know you know like you know they're like that they're out you know that's how they shoot it yeah they gesture a lot yeah. with that yeah it's, you know cool. it's like that you know and, and a lot of places i played out there like I played in um, Victoria Island in Canada. Uh, we were there for a language thing. And there was, and there was, you know, not only Kumeyaay, but there was some Lesaños and and we all went up there together. And they were having like like this big uh, language thing. Well, one of the girls said, "Hey, they're having a hand game. You guys want to come see it?" And we're like, "Yeah, yeah, we play hand games too." So we we go over there and they said. You guys want to play? And we're like, yeah, we'll play. We, we don't know your shots, so and they were like throwing us in. And um, you know, they're all playing with banging stuff. And you know, we we played like we play. We sang. And one one of the old guys came over. He goes, you know, I was watching you guys. He goes, that's how we used to play. We didn't play with drums or rattles or nothing. Like we sang. Yeah. He said that's how it used to be played a long time ago. And I said, well, why did it change? And that's when he, he explained to me. He said that. What happens was uh, the drunks would get there, and they had to drown them out. And he <laughs> yeah. said, so we started using drums and rattles yeah. and stuff like that to drown out the drunks. And over there, right at 2 o'clock, it ended. They didn't play until the, you know. And he said, because the bars are closing, and they're going to come. So we close it down at 2 o'clock. We'll come back in the morning, wow. in the afternoon, let's finish it. 
And there was like minimum eight, te- uh, eight people on a team, and there was 32 teams. So it, that place was packed. It's rocking. I imagine like that had to take a long They don't yeah. do brackets? They just yeah, they straight. did. It was the double elimination. And so it was, and, and because, you know, it was under this tarp, and it was just so loud in there. Yeah. And then they used 11 sticks. And I told him down our way, we used uh, 15. He goes, we used to use more too. But it was taking too long. And so we shortened it. We shortened the sticks on it. So that's why we only play with 11 now. I was like, wow. You know, so. I seen that in Utah. I went out to uh, Fort Duquesne. They had their, their 4th of July powwow. We were just passing through, actually. And um, we went and stayed there, stayed the night, camped out, watched the powwow. And then we were going to get ready to go to bed. You know, the powwow's over. It's late. And I could hear singing. I thought they were 49, and I was like, that don't sound like they're drunk. That sounds like something going on. So um, I went over, and I scoped it out. Then I went back and got my kids up because, you know, they were all learning how to play piano at that time. And I said, I want you guys to see how they do their hand games. And we sat there and watched them for a few hours. But what I liked was was the energy they had, you know. It was yeah. like kind of reminded me of like how we do ours the same, you know. They really had that energy. It made me think, too, like when people come down to our powwows down here, we're over there playing piano all night. Like yeah. they're camped out. They must probably hear us singing all night. <laughs> going for it like at three in the morning or whatever, yeah. you know, playing all night like that. But it's cool that we have that throughout all of North America, you know, yeah. different versions of the hand games like that. Well, I seen them play it too, like in uh, the Lummies. Uh-huh. You know, I've sat there and watched them play, and and like you said, it's uh, like uh, the we were there with one, one of the Lummy guys, and he said, yeah, you know, one time this um, they sing the same song over and over and over. They don't uh-huh. change it. And uh, he said there was these drunks that were just taking teams out left and right. And it was a song that they made right there about <laughs> Lucky Logger beer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Lucky Log. <laughs> <He goes, laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And they, they end up winning the whole tournament. Oh, man. Lucky Logger. Well, yeah, Lucky Logger song. Well, I played, uh, team, I played a team one time, and we were playing late in the night, and uh, – They'd gone through a bunch of teams, and by the time we got to play, and we were a few games in, and uh, they were playing really good. They kind of were kind of whooping us, and then out of nowhere, they just seemed like they kind of ran out of juice or something. Come to find out, they were drinking, and by the time it got to us, they kind of ran out, uh-huh. and so they just got tired. They were trying to keep it going, but they were like ready to go to sleep. So I think if they had like one more six pack, they would have won the whole tournament. But but you know that was years ago. Like nowadays, yeah. I don't I don't really ever see anybody drinking and playing around. These well, the only anymore. ones that that were still you know. Drinking a little bit was the uh, Salgados uh-huh. when the old man was alive, you know. He, but they, you know, a lot of them they felt that that was their their luck too, I guess, you know. Well, I know it coats the throat; it does help you sing. And I know if you're a shy person, you get a little in you, I guess. Yeah. You know, that would help you really be uh, outgoing while you play and stuff like that. Um, but it's I one thing I, I liked from when I first started playing to now was that like there were a lot more differences. It seemed like regionally, like you could tell where a team came from, by the way, they played the songs they sang, things yeah. like that. Um, and now everyone kind of plays the same and sings a lot of the same songs and, and whatnot. Um, it's cool, too, because I think it allows someone who's just starting out a little bit more comfort and ease to learn yeah. because it's kind of the same. I know when I was learning my shots, I was thinking about this and you're saying that, is that, like John told us, uh, we would say tirado con uno, or we would say con dos, like yeah. you talk about with the fingers. Yeah. We'd have to always throw con, do, con uno, con dos, and so I just assume that's how everybody played. So I remember when I went around uh, that first year, we were playing around all the tournaments. I was saying all of that. And some of the coin are looking at me like, what are you, like, what is, <laughs> what are you doing with that? 
And, and John said, well, that's that's how, you know, I learned. That's how you're supposed to do it. But nobody does that anymore, pretty much, you know? Yeah. Said, well, why'd you teach us that? I was thinking. Because that, that made my shots harder to learn. But uh, looking back, it might have made it kind of easier because I would remember... Even if I said the shot wrong, I was probably, if I said Kondos had two fingers, I think the Kwame would know what I was trying to shoot. So that kind of helped around that. Yeah, time. like I remember with Saquon when they uh, they had a game over there in the back. That's when they only had the bingo hall. Actually, a lot of people from Verona came. Yeah. They all used to play piano over there. I don't know what, what happened, why they all stopped, but they came down and, uh, you know, I got off work and I went back there. They're all playing back there. There was a lot of people from Verona all playing. You know, and one time they used to do these buses. And we went caught when they were gonna. We went to Saboba to go play bingo. And uh, one of Steve's great aunts played. I remember on the way up, we were singing peon songs. On the way back home, we were singing peon songs. You know, they, they, they. Then all, like all of a sudden, nobody plays there hardly anymore. You know, where they, their older people, I guess, all used to play. I remember the going to my first tournament was there in Barona. I was at a meeting at uh, at. Uh, at um, BIA meeting, it was for um, budgets, and they were all talking about, "Hey, they're gonna have uh, games over there in Barona. You gonna go?" I go, well, "I don't know. Like, yeah, I think I'll go check it out then." I remember going over there and seeing that's the first time I seen King playing. He always had his shirt open. He always had his shirt open, like, and uh, they were sitting there all playing. You know, that's when they said, you know, they played with their own money. They didn't play, you know, with a pot like today, and uh, sitting there watching them all. Playing and uh, my dad always talked about it, like he because you know he grew up over there in um, Warner's because he's in a, he got adopted out and he always talked about the Sagados. He said, yeah, they they you know they they they're big peon players. He said they're really good. They're champions. He used to always say they're champion players. Like I said, I I got into to when Tony said you know learn this and but there was a lot of like when I start teaching the kids there was a lot of elders that knew the songs but they never said anything you know like yeah. You know, like, and, and I think about it, you know, like, um, like old man Domingo, he used to be a big peon player. And uh, my step-grandfather, he was um, a thing. It was a Harvey thing. And his father was that, um, they called him Cinco, but that was his name. But he played with Sam Brown all the time. And uh, so sometimes when he didn't play with Sam, he would play with his sons. And they all knew songs. And I'm like, you know, Never, they never talked about it. Never like, hey, you want to learn these songs, Fiona songs? And I think, God, I wish I knew when I was a lot younger because I could have been asking them all about, hey, can you know, teach me a song? You know, I think it had to be prevalent like in the probably the 30s and 40s or something, real strong everywhere. Because when I first started singing or uh, playing around, uh, our first team, you know, like I thought it was pretty alien in this community. I never had really seen much of it. Like I said, yeah. John was the only one kind of actively playing. But he was, it seemed like he was playing out in the desert yeah. in different far areas. But when we, when we got the team te- uh, together, the, the youth team, it seemed like, yeah, everybody's uh, like elders of the family knew what we were doing. And um, like there was a lot of people in our community that traveled with us. They, you know, we were going to Morongo next week. All right, we'll be there. And we got there and it was like, uh, you know, um, my Uncle Bunny, Robert Brown, he went to like every tournament we went to that first year and a half. There was a bunch of people that traveled with us and they were like, yeah, we remember this when we were little kids. Like they didn't play, they didn't know how to play, but a lot of them remembered some of the songs and things like that. And then my mom, like I remember, I, I was I was learning. And actually, the way we had started was it was uh, my late aunt uh, Marinita, um, she wanted to play, and so she had said, "Well, I'm going to get my sisters, and we're going to get a team together." 
So my mom said, all right, you know, let's, let's go play. So my mom, Aunt Marianita, and then, uh, you know, Aunt Vera Brown and, and, uh, and Abby, she was like a, um, she was staying with her. They were going to get a team together. So John's there trying to show him this and that. Meanwhile, it was like me, Josh, and, and, uh, and uh, Shane and, and Adam and, and, uh, and Sammy Parker were all in there kind of goofing around, teasing these ladies, you know, ah, you guys ain't going to get it. What ended up happening is we actually learned Pion and started playing. <laughs> they never actually went and played. But, um, but it was weird because they already knew a lot of the songs. So when John was like um, starting to go into the songs, I remember like my mom was like, oh, we want to uh, you know, sing a Wallilla Weona. You know, she started like singing it a little bit. And I, I remember thinking like, that's I, I never really knew my mom knew any of this stuff. But her uncle... Late John Felicia used to be a Kwame, so she remembered some of that. And uh, but yeah, a lot of people in our different areas like would remember some of that, or they would come out and watch us play as, as teenagers. Um, and then when I when I hooked up with my lady, um, and uh, we were in San Isabel, and um, I was gonna go play, and my, my wife was pregnant, and my uh, her grandma came and see me, and she like chewed me out. She said, "You better not have my my granddaughter around those peon games." And you better not have your your grandson or my grand, you know, whoever your kid is that come, my granddaughter, grandson, when it comes, you better not have them around the Pion games. And she was like really telling me uh, about the the protocols, you know, like yeah. you don't have that around. It was real serious and all this kind of stuff. And come to find out her dad was a Pion player. And so she knew all of this stuff that she was telling me. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. Because I never even knew that she knew anything about any yeah. of that stuff. And then she was telling me, you know, some of the songs that she remembered and the things she remembered about that. But it's like, uh, you kind of never know who knows what, I yeah. guess, you know? Because like I said, the, those guys would be, they're like, oh, they'd be singing a right well along with their grandparents. Like, oh, I wish, you know, I, I remember seeing it when we had a fiesta and I think it was 72. And uh, the women were playing, but they played during the day. And I remembered, you know, like the, they were playing against the, uh, the, the, the Quetzons. And, you know, I remember them going around there asking everybody, you know, you got money to throw in, you know, like before I got $5, $10. And then they, uh, the croissants, they were doing the same thing. And then when they played, you know, people that were helping them stood behind them and over here. And I said, I will always never forget because uh, Cecilia Temple, she, uh, she bet it. And my grandmother was playing, my great grandmother and, um, her, uh, Adelaide, Christina, and um, J- George Prieto's mother, uh, Ada. Ada Prieto. They were they were they were playing, and what's her name walked over there on the other side, and these guys got him, start yelling like, "What are you doing? You bet it over here, you know. You get whipped. You want to act like that, you know? Like wow, you know." Sitting there thinking, wow, I mean, they were chewing her out. You bet, you need to stand over here. You don't belong over there. What are you doing over there telling them what we're hiding? I mean, they were just like, I was like, I'll never forget that, watching that, you know. And, and uh, But it was during the day. Yeah. It was during the day. And then at night, that's when the men were playing. And I'll never forget because there was a guy that came from, uh, he was married to a Kui- I think he was Kuiya too, but I'm not sure. But I always remember he was this big man. He had overalls. And uh, I ended up meeting him later on once I started playing, you know, like I was telling him, I remember you when you came to camp. I go, oh, yeah, I came to Coimi. 
they asked me to come to Koimi, and I was like, I remember you, because I, like I said, he was like, I, he looked like a big man, because I was a little kid, you know, like, and I remember him having these overalls on, and, um, you know, and at the end, you know, he, he, uh, he couldn't play no more, too, you know, he ended up getting sick, and, you know, meet him again, like I said, later in life, where when I started playing, I was telling me, yeah, I remember, and he goes, oh, yeah, I remember going out there, you know, so, like, you know, like, some, some people, oh, the women did play, and I was thinking, well, I seen it, women playing but they played during the day uh-huh. they didn't play at night they, the men played at night and it was just one game it wasn't like you know like today where we have you know a lot of games going it was just a one game and i remember too like when we had um when we first got into office we had these barbecues you know because like you know i guess because we were you know new council and uh they invited ralph and joe to come play and they had a few own game there, and they, you know, they, I, I think King, they told King to come because none of our people played. It was we were sitting there watching them play, yeah, you know, because um, our people weren't playing it no more. And um, that's when, like I said, you know, that's when uh, Tony was having to gather, and he said, "You guys need to learn." I was like, "Okay," because well, at, at first, you know, like Leroy said, "Oh, we don't play peon." That's a bad thing you know like uh, you know because they play with medicine and stuff like that and so I was like okay yeah we don't play peon you know and then Tony came by and that's when he said you know no you guys gotta need to learn and then you know when I kind of learn and you know how sometimes how they do a mock game in, in Yuma he used to say you don't you don't go over there and help them I'm like why he goes because there's people here that still do bad things uh-huh. you know he used to tell us like no when they ask you to, you tell them no you don't know how to <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> scary, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I was like, okay. He goes, yeah, because <laughs> you know. And he used to always say that, you know, we don't have people to fix you anymore. We don't have people that can fix you anymore. So you got to be careful, you know. So like down there, he said, they ask you, you, you say you don't know how to play. Of course, that's when there were still a lot of old people too, you know. Like I remember going there, and that place would just be packed with old people, and you know, like today. It, you see them too. It's just dwindling. Yeah, and, it, and it's and it was. Well, I remember just going there and being at awe, like oh my, like the dancing and the singing, and you know, it was just like, man, it was so powerful, you know. And then the crying, you know, the uh, you know, all standing around that casket and just crying, and you know. And uh, one of the things Lori told us was that because. They used to say that, an Indian, come cry with me. Get up, come cry with me. And that's when he said, that's because I would sit there and say, all of a sudden, they'd get up there and they'd all be crying. But they said, because they were telling people, get up, come, come, come cry with me, come help me, you know, get through this. And he said, they don't, you know, he goes, like everywhere, everybody doesn't know the language anymore. And he said, so nobody's saying that, hey, come and cry with me. And, uh, but like I said, you know, I mean, I remember first going there and be, just being in awe that it was just so beautiful, you know, that all the singing and the dancing and everybody, you know, like I said, it was it was so beautiful. I mean, it was like, man, um, you know, and that's what I, I, like I tell the young boys, like, you know, I remember when we had funerals and we didn't have singing and, you know, and um, <coughs> and how it came back. You know, and then, you know, like um, Tony um, Trujillo, he wants to learn. 
And I was telling Tony, I said, you know, Tony, it's good. I want, I want, you know, just like how you took, you went up to San Isabel and you start teaching the people over there. And now it's come part of them again. You know, and I said that we want to see that Mesa Grande. We want to see that with all our reservations, you know, that it becomes strong again. And I was telling Tony, I said, you know, uh, it took a long time for our people to get used to it again. I said, you know, like uh, when we'd go around, nobody would get up because they're like, what, what's going on? And I said, but now our people know. They know that, hey, it's getting midnight. We need to come inside because we're going to go around. And I said, so I've seen that change within within my tribe where at first it was kind of, it seemed like it was foreign to now they embrace it. They know it, you know, and... You know, because there's a lot of things like like my parents would say, ah, you know, that's not our way. And my great, great, great grandmother would say, no, we do things like that. You just weren't here. You didn't see it because my, both my parents were taken away, put in foster homes. So they didn't see it. And that's what she would tell me. You guys didn't see this. You weren't here. But this is what we used to do all the time. We always sang, you know, and, um, you know, so, you know, I remember like even too, like Kumiai, you know, First, come and talk about Kumiai. My parents, oh, we're not Kumiai, we're Degenio, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my grandma again told him, look, no, that's an old word. That's who we are. You know, you got, you know, it's, it's coming back. She goes, I'm glad to see that. Because, you know, and, and for a long time, too, a lot of our people were, no, we're Degenio, to where now, uh, I'd say like 90% are now Kumiai. Yeah, we're, we're San before. Isabel and Barona are holding it. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're the strongholds of the Degenio yeah. Nation right now, for sure. I hear yeah. that sometimes. People tease me. Oh, it's because you're Kumiai. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> what like, that oh. that's what um, Tony says that you know that all oh, those are Kumiai songs like Pion yeah. and stuff like that. They don't they don't want to sing them. It's like well, <laughs> that's <laughs> us too. But, but no, those are the Kumiai songs. So I'm like, oh okay. And some ways. We are growing, and in some ways, you know, I think what it is is that we're losing the meanings. You know, they, um, we just, sometimes people just think it's Indian, and I'm Indian, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And not, no, no, there's there's reasons why we do this. It's not just because we're Indian. No, there, uh, there's reasons why these things happen like this. And that's what we need to get out to the, to our our young people so that they they know that you know that this is not just you know that's where that sacredness comes into it too that you know that the honoring it you know and um having respect for it you know that you know that's what i was always told that you know like the boys that i was teaching i said you know because that's what they said you know they're you know pretty soon they're not going to sing they'll think that uh you know i don't want to do it no more and my whole thing was, as long as you have respect for it, that's okay. If you don't want to do it, it's all right. Because I always used to tell them, don't do it because I want you to, because I do. I want you to do this. Yeah. But it has to be something that you want to do. Even though that's what I want, but it's up to you. And and I won't think nothing less of you if you, you don't want to do it. Yeah. All I ask is that what you're learning here, you learn the respect for it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so... One of my cousins uh, hit me up on that a while back. He said he lives out of area, and uh, when he, when he was living around here, it was you know kind of a while back, and he was like, man, he was telling me, man, it's crazy. Like, 
I remember when I was younger there, like, you know, I got out there and tried a couple times, but it wasn't in me to do it. Like, it wasn't a calling. It was just something I was just kind of, like, dabbling in. He's like, but now there's so many people out there. He's like, it's a whole different world. He goes, I don't, is, like, do they, everybody out there got a calling to do it? And I was like, I don't know. You know, I, I that's, that was a good question. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's in everyone's heart or their mind. But I, I really do think if you're going to stick with it, because it is a hard thing over a long period of time, you do have to have somewhat of a calling. You know, it has to be something inside you that really makes you want to do it. And it's like, if you're going to put that much of yourself into something, you would want to put your best foot forward and be respectful, do it in a good way. Well, I think that, you know, uh, I talked about this um, not too long ago. And because I didn't never knew how to to express it. And it, it, it all came about my five-year-old grandson comes to me and he says, Bubba, do you know how to meditate? And I said, no, I don't. I, I know what it is, but no, I don't know. I, you know. And so I ha- happened to be at the education center and there's a lady there that was going to teach yoga. Well, yoga goes along with meditation. So I was asking her, I said, you know, I always heard, you know, meditation, but I don't know what that is. What, 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 is, what do you do to meditate? And she says to me, she says, well, let me ask you something. When you're singing, what are you thinking about? I said, some, some, most of the time I'm sitting there just concentrating on the song and I'm just tuning everything out. She goes, that's meditating. What you're doing is meditating. And she said, you know, because I told her, I said, yeah, there'd be times where that I could see everything kind of slow down and it's just so beautiful. And she said, that's the results of meditating. And, and so when I look at now, we probably had ways of teaching. When somebody would teach you, they would teach you all this stuff that which you could really get out of it. But some of those teachings kind of went away where, you know, that, you know, because uh, Leroy used to always say, you know, you do this long enough, you'll start to see things, you know, that, or you'll feel things. And, you know, I used to think, you know, You know, like, uh, like what you know. I remember the first time I, hey Leroy, uh, I had to ask you something. I said, you know, I keep hearing this woman singing, but there's no women here singing. It's just us guys singing. But I hear a woman's voice, and he says, you know, that's good. You know, that um, kind of like you're kind of getting there. In other words, you're you're starting to get in tune to it. So I remember telling the boys that, and all, all of a sudden they all heard it, right? You know, not knowing <laughs> if they did or didn't, but they were just starting to thinking, you know. And because Leroy never mentioned it to me, I mentioned it to him, and that's, and I think that my mistake was to mention it to them. They should have been coming to me and say, I hear this. Yeah. And... um because I never knew if they really did or didn't, or they just wanted to act like I, I, I've heard this, you know. And so I think there's, there's, again, like I said, that's about being in tune into these, <clears throat> to these things that today a lot of it's just the only gathering. You're not going to, you're, I mean, at times it does look beautiful too to see everybody out there dancing and stuff like that. But to take it further than that, for yourself. Yeah. You know, if you're only going to do it through this gathering stuff, you're never really going to experience that. Uh-huh. 
And, you know, and that, that, you know, and I sang for a long time and it, it took years before, you know, like I said, when I finally I started hearing it, and that's why I was asking him. But, you know, I've been around it for, you know, a long time, but I never heard that until one day I heard it. And so, you know, like, you know, like these young guys are telling me they were hearing it right after thinking, how did you hear it so quick, guy? You know, but again, I think it was just them just trying to say that, you know, that. But I think that there's a lot of things like that where we kind of lost that those teachings that would help us understand it. And, and to understand that, yes, once I start this, because I know what I get out of it, I know that feeling and I and and it feels good. You ever get nervous? You ever oh, get nervous? Oh, yeah, like, uh, all the time. Because I've never known you to be someone that's really super outgoing, yet you're always being <laughs> asked and put in these spots. Can you come speak? Can you come sing? Can you? And, and I'm a little bit more vocal of a person, but I found myself in those positions where people ask me to do stuff, and I'm going, like, I get really nervous. Yeah, I get ashamed, too. I get all, my breathing I, starts to get some monkey. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, because I'm not... Uh, uh, you know, the one thing I, I always so admired of Leroy was Leroy would go and he would shake everybody's hand. And, you know, and I'm I'm not that kind of person. You know, I'm kind of like, <laughs> I, I'm shy. Yeah. And most people are like, no, you're not. I'm like, you don't, I, I am. It's hard for me to do it. I'm, yeah. I, I'm a shy. But I, you know, I used to sit there and admire Leroy because he would go shake everybody's hand and, you know, like... um you know, and even when you know, like he, he'd make you shake his hand. Like, look, you you need to know this is this is a good thing, you know, uh, uh, because you know sometimes people are not teaching their kids that respect. You know, like have respect. They shake your hand, shake their hand. You know, like when I look at uh, Monday, that boy is so very respectful. He is. He'll stop what he's doing and yeah. come over like that. Yeah, yeah. and and really I, and I'm like because you know he's he's been around it and. People are telling them, this is what you do. You know, like, like I look at my grandsons, they won't do that. Like, you, know, <laughs> you know, like, I want yeah. you to start to, 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 you know, start doing that. For some people, it, it, you know, like I said, like for me, I know I'm, I'm real shy and it's hard for me to do that. And some people can take that, oh, you think you're too good. You know, you act like you're, you know, I'm just like, no, I'm not. I'm just a little shy, you know. Uh, and, and like you said, I get nervous too where uh, – uh, I'll say I'm thinking to myself I'm gonna sing these songs and then when I get to they're gone I lost <laughs> I lost them I'm like and you know I, I tell my wife it's easier for me to sing like an hour and a half or something like that than to show up and sing four songs or two songs you know like in yeah. a short time because like when you get to sit there like for me I'll be nervous and everything and then the moment I start singing like about midway through the first song. I feel okay. My heart rate slows down. Everything's kind of good. I feel normal. But I'll be nervous all the way leading up to that moment. So when I go have to go sing for a long duration, that first like 15, 20 minutes, just settling in, relaxing, then I just feel really good. I can sing for a long period of time. But man, it's like it's like a marathon or walking a... It's like hiking, you know? Yeah. As opposed to showing up and getting out the car and, say, and having someone saying sprint, you know? And you just run, run, you just get... I know for me, uh, like I run out of... I'll run out of breath. <laughs> all kinds of stuff. My heart's beating. I yeah. get nervous. Um, I never noticed that. My wife told me that. She'd be like, because I'd start coughing and this and that. And she'd say, relax. And I said, what do you mean? She's like, you, you do that when you get nervous. You start coughing and you start acting this way and that way. 
and I never noticed it. And like, then after that first song of singing or like a little bit, I relaxed. That's where, where you talked about like um, being like meditation. I realized yeah. the songs are very meditative because you can feel all kinds of weird ways, whether you're upset or angry, sad, or, or you're physically not feeling good, but you start singing after a while. And then when you're done, you always feel really good. Yeah. It's a weird feeling. Well, you know, like lately for me, like, I, I don't know why when I come out of dialysis, I couldn't throw my gourd and my arm would just get so tired and I couldn't throw it. And then back here in the back of my neck, it would be so much pain. And I tell myself, I, and but once I hit a certain, it was just gone. It, was, it didn't hurt no more. My arm wasn't tired no more. Um, but I, I don't know if that's because I'm like, you're saying part of being nervous, but all of a sudden, like it's my back, it just, oh man, it'd be hurting and, and then once I got go through it, then it just kind of like goes away. Like I guess I work it out. I guess you know. But you know, like, have you ever uh, made a mistake on a song? Like one time I was singing. Only once. Maybe. Uh, singing, <laughs> you know, and uh, we got done, and one of the boys, go, hey, you never sang that song before. I know because I made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy <laughs> yeah. that he knew that he came and asked me sure. because that meant he was paying attention. And, you know, I was like, wow, you know, because, you know, <laughs> no, I, I made a mistake on that yeah. song, you know, and he goes, oh, okay. Because I was like, I, I don't remember it going like that. But he, he's singing a new song on this. And I was like, no, I made a mistake. But I was like, wow, because he was the only one that came to me and said, hey, is this a new song? You didn't tell us before? Like, no, no, I, I made a mistake on it. And uh, like I said, that made me feel good because uh, somebody was really paying attention, you know. Like, because that's what happens. You know, a lot of our people don't even pay attention. Like one time I was sitting with Delia and, um, and um, Mary, and I was telling them this song, you know, about the coyote. And... They're like, oh yeah, like I mean, they, yeah. they they've heard it the whole, all these years, and they grew up with the language, and then they're like, language, yeah. yeah, and then until I sat down there and went through, and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know that, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I was like, yeah, you know, it's like I'm sitting here thinking, you guys, yeah, you know the language and stuff, and but they were never paying attention. I think like a lot of our people have so much respect for some of these things that they never question it, they never stop and ask, yeah. they just kind of go through it. Because I, I, I know uh, a few years back we had a cultural program down here and I was talking to uh, Clarence Brown and, uh, and Ted and these guys and they were like, you know what would be really cool is if you guys were to uh, explain to us what the songs, those songs that you guys finish up at the gravesite, what they, they kind of mean, you know? Like, yeah. I've never heard it. And I was thinking about it, I was like, man, these guys are always digging for every funeral we have around here and uh, they're always there, you know, right there front lines, you know, ready to put the bodies down and they hear those, they probably heard those songs a thousand times in their life. Yeah. And they don't know what they mean at all, you know? It's like, if they, they don't know what they mean, then what does that say about everybody else, yeah. you know? And so, anyways, we went over, you know, kind of what they meant, and, you know, what, what they meant in our language and, you know, what we're trying to achieve with that. But I, it was a trip to hear them, like, say that. Say, like, we don't really know everything that uh, that those are about or whatnot. Um, I saw on, on Facebook, I think, uh, a singer of the North, uh, Mr. Mike Morales, he put on there a while back. He was putting on... Uh, what he felt was like a good um, uh, template as to like if you're an upcoming singer, you want to learn how to sing songs, 
what should you do? Because I know that's a common question. People are always like, well, I want to learn, or usually it's I want my kids to learn or my son to learn or something. Like, you know, what's the process? How do you get involved in that, all that kind of stuff? And he would kind of put out a nice little template as to like, you know, uh, here's what I recommend. And I thought it was pretty good. I don't know if you saw that. But in the middle of all of that, he put, uh, he said, uh, he, he said the best singer of all the lands was, was, uh, was Paul Cuero Jr. Oh, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool because Mike's a pretty respected singer. He's one of my favorite singers for sure. Um, so how, how do you take compliments like that? Because I, I know everybody's always like, Junior's the best. How do you take that without letting it like corrupt you in any way? Because uh, uh, um, I know I can. I'll be it, like, it, that's right. No, no it, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, like, no, I'm not, you know. Yeah. It, I guess, you know, what the one thing I don't like and, oh, can you come and sing your songs? Oh, um, Junior's going to sing his songs. I'm like, no, they're not mine. Yeah. They, they belong to the people. And, you know, um, you know, that to me, you know, that take ownership, people. It belongs to you, you know. You could police it because it belongs to you. If you see somebody that you think is not doing right, well, tell them. You know, um, and sometimes we're we're all like this. Sometimes we'll do something we don't realize it until somebody goes, "Hey," and I always use this example that one time I was sit, we were at the museum over there in um, Rincon, and their tribal hall. They used to have like a museum in there, and they had a matadi lane, and I had my foot on. And I was doing this, you know, not just thinking. And Steve goes, "Hey, what the hell are you doing?" I'm like, Steve Benegas. Yeah. Uh, oh. And, you know, it, it caught me like, yeah, yeah, I'm disrespecting this, you know. Yeah. But at the, at the moment, I didn't think about it, you know, like I said, until somebody said something to me. Now, some people would get mad. But the truth is, is he's right. I'm doing something wrong. And that's where, you know, where we should be when, when we are doing something wrong. Somebody points it out. Don't take it as they're judging you. So sometimes we do that. We're doing things we're not thinking, you know, and, and, um, but, you know, getting back to, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm the best. I think there's a lot of good singers out there. It's, it's, you know, like one time I went to go sing in Yuma and, um, and, uh, so I started out and then Lyman came there. Oh, this is his territory, right? He goes, well, we want to sing. I said, you know, you know, he goes, you know, and I said, oh, go ahead, Lyman, you could lead. We'll follow you. You know, the, this is your home. That's not mine. And the family come up to him. What are you doing? And I said, hey, we, we worked it out. It's okay. And, and um, no, we don't want him to sing right in front of him. And I'm like, oh, well, we worked it out. I, I'm okay with it. And they and they said no. And uh, we're gonna, you know, they went and got uh, like tribal police or something. They came over, and uh, I told those guys, "Come on, we're gonna go home. I'm going home." And they were like, "What are you doing?" I said, "We don't come here to fight." And I said, my people always tell us, you don't fight over this. You'll bring bad upon yourself. I go, I brought these young men to come sing with me. My wife's here. And what's going on here, I don't want to bring no harm to them. 
you know, we don't fight over this stuff. And, you know, and I, I'm sorry, but, you know, um, well, we don't like the way. I said, you know what? This is a ceremony. It doesn't matter how, how anybody sings as long as they're doing it the right way. That's what matters. Not about, well, I don't like his voice. I don't like, that has nothing to do with this. This is about a ceremony here. And you're, you know, what you're doing, it goes against everything I was taught. Well, I'm the elder here. I'm the oldest one here. And, you know, and I said, well, then you should know better. You should know better. I know where I come from. My elders would frown upon me here, sitting here fighting over this. I'm sorry, but I'm going home. And so, you know, we packed up and we left. And, uh, and you know, they, like I said, you know, kept trying to convince me. I said, no, you know, you, what you did here was so disrespectful. Not only to him, but to me, you know. To you're almost like putting us against each other. Which, like I said, this is his home. Yeah. Not this is not mine. I'm a guest here, and you know, I said, you don't know. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm going home. You know, on the way back, you know, my wife was saying, you know what? I'm so proud of you because you stuck to your conviction. You, you stuck what you were taught. And I said, well. Yeah, I said, you know, because we're always told you don't play around with this. You know, you're gonna you bring harm, and and I said, you know, and it's not about the way somebody sings. It's it's not about that. It's about sending this person home. You know that that's what it's about. It's about what we're here to do for somebody, and for uh, instead of appreciating what they have here at home, they're not, and now now they're bringing me into it. And I don't need to be a part of that, you know. Um, you know, because I thought, well, you know, when they asked me, I thought, well, okay, maybe he was busy, couldn't do it. But when he shows up and says, hey, I, I want to sing, and I'm like, well, yeah, this is your home. I'm yeah. the guest. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, and I was telling the boys that I said, you know, that, you know, because they were like, I said, yeah. I said, look, you know, you don't fight over this. And don't let anybody come here and tell just because the way somebody sings that they're the one supposed to do it. That's not how it's supposed to be. It's not like that. And you know, it's 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 about this ceremony and what was what was supposed to be done right for them. You don't fight over it. I said that's that's why we you know, I, I we had, we had to leave because I'm not going to fight over this. This is what we, I was taught that you know the. You don't fight over this. You're just going to bring more death, you know. You know, and I said, you know, one of the things I was told too is that be careful. You know, don't want to do it so much, because the old people would say, you know what, you're going to start eating your family. They'll start because you want to sing so bad. There you are, you're sitting there singing. You know, so you know, let it be at its own time. You know, don't. Don't try to rush it. You know, don't, you know, that I said that, you know, I was lucky enough to be around people to tell us like that, you know, that, you know, you, you be careful because you want it so bad. Yeah, you might get it. But then there's all your family you're sitting there singing for. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's not a good thing. You know, it'll come at its own time, you know. And, you know, so don't rush it. You know, you don't have to be the biggest and the best and, you know, it's not about none of that. It's not about that. It's about what doing it because we're helping. 
not to be look at me what I'm doing. It's not about that. It's about we're here to help. And, you know, um, so you should be, you know, talking about other singers, you know. It happens. Yes, it does happen. You hear but, a lot of that? I know I've heard of, like, it seems like not so much in our region, but yeah. I've heard, like, you go around, I've heard of singers who, like, they like some singers, but then they, all those guys, they don't, they got it all messed up, or yeah. they only, you know, sing here and there. They won't go everywhere. It's like people are quick to bash other singers, which I, I don't know. We don't really have that in our area as much. I don't really hear a lot of that. So I always get kind of blindsided when I hear that about somebody, especially considering, like, you know, I know you travel a lot. I travel a lot. Like, you go to these uh, new areas and they take you in and they, they treat you good. Like, I don't know the politics there. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm, I like everybody and they treat me good. And they're, you know, I mean, I don't want to hear something negative about somebody who's been treating me really good, you know, yeah. and taking my family in or, you know, fed us at one point. I know I'd always, I always feel uh, bad hearing that. And I don't know why they have a gripe with somebody or why they don't like their singing or what they say they do in their private life or whatever. Like a lot of times I don't really know them more than like, I, you know, have interacted with them. And if I like them, it's, it's really hard to hear that sometimes, but I do hear a lot of that out there. People are real quick to, to put down other singers and it's unfortunate because I know to me, it seems like every singer I know really puts their heart into it. It's not an easy road. And I know a lot of people, they put themselves out to do it. A lot of times they're asked to sing and it's like, it's, it wears on their body, wears on their personal life, their social life. It's, it's a really arduous thing to take on. And it seems like um, it's one of the last things that we in our region has that's very old school connection, very old traditional thing that we have. So we should probably be encouraging those who are taking it up. But I do hear that in, in other areas uh, with singers. And it seems like it's always the same kind of thing, you know. They don't know the order, or they don't know what they're singing, or they didn't learn it right, or they, you know, it's always kind of like these common um, arguments that people make on other singers. Yeah, you know, like um, you know, like they would say, uh, my grandmother said that sometimes, you know, uh, they have funerals and somebody knew a few songs, they didn't know it all, but they come there and they did what they could. Mm -hmm. They ever said, well, no, because you don't know it. You know, that that became a later thing now, I think, you know, with people where before, like I said, you knew something. Tony always tells that, you know something, go help them. You know, like um, when I, I, I would go sing with anybody, you know, and because I want, I, for myself, I wanted to hear it, you know, like, oh, what's the differences, you know, listen to that. You know, like I'd sit there with Steve and I would tell him, hey, you know, you hear how they're singing it? We sing it like this, but this is how they're singing it. You just listen to the compare differences and stuff like that, you know, like, oh, and he'd be like, oh, I didn't know that. He's like, pay attention. You know? yeah. But, you know, like, yeah. I think, you know, like, what always gets me lately is that outside people will see our stuff and they'll just like, oh, my God, it's so beautiful, you know. And our own people can't see the beauty in it. You know, they can't see that, you know, what we're doing here, you know, especially at the funeral, you know, this, what we go through and, and what we're doing here is a very beautiful thing. And yet our people can't see it. And you'll get people outside come out and they'll like, oh my God, that was, that ceremony was so, where the, oh, can you do that for me? You know, I've, I've had people, old people come up and say, you know, 
when my time you come and sing and I just say well you know tell your family because yeah. you know I uh, I just could come here and just start singing you know your family but, yeah. but I would tell them that you know like uh, and Steve you know that guy he makes me laugh all the time Steve's just so funny hey this lady asked me you know when it's her time she wants us to come sing did you get a down payment <laughs> That's messed up. <laughs> oh, man. He, he is funny, though, yeah. man. I can't tell you how many times you're sitting there singing. I'm sitting next to Steve there over the years and, like, at a wake or something, and he just has these little observations yeah. about things. You're like, you know, it's yeah. not the time or place, but and he's I don't know what he's joking or what, but he'll say things. Let's put my head down. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. I, but later on, I'll think back to it and just want to bust up. But it's very unique in, uh, yeah. observations. Yeah, like he'll say, look at that person. Don't they look like this? Yeah. And I look at him, I'm like, yeah. You just don't want to look at him. You want to keep your head down. Yeah. He'll just, yeah. I remember, yeah. I won't name nobody's name, but he told me, man, that person is like a rodeo clown. And I just didn't even put my head up. And then I, I had to. I looked and I was like that, like a bandana. I was just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it legit did. And I just wanted yeah. to laugh, but it was not the time or place. Yeah. So, I mean, but, like, he would say things like, yeah, get a down payment. <laughs> but you know that I think that you know one of the things that I think that our people should know too is that you know like uh, uh, Leroy used to say you know what don't worry that you have to give me all this he says you know as long as I have enough money for gas and a soda home that's good mm-hmm. you know he said you know he used to say so you know don't be another burden on the family you know you know, like, and, and I always, you know, like, sometimes, you know, like, you'd go sing somewhere, and they'd say, well, how much? And it's like. I hate hearing I, that. And yeah, I'm like. I like I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> and I said, well, I always say, well, give me a figure, because I don't know what to say. You know, like, because yeah. we're always told, like, you don't ask. And, you know, like, and and it's like, you know, uh, you know, I see, and I tell them, I said, you know, for us, we're, we're told not to put a figure on it but you know just know this you know like if it's a long ways yeah we're gonna you know um but you know i it's nice I, to have a room in case you yeah, have to sleep at all yeah. if you don't want to drive home tired it's nice to have some gas you know to yeah. get home if you can and then you know like you know? Uh, t- something to eat because you know yeah. like, so, like a lot of times after the funeral i'd like i don't want to eat yeah, and then when I get home later, I'm, oh, I'm starving. <laughs> yeah, and it's like you don't want to put a meal together. You want to get something to eat like five minutes from your house yeah. or something. Yeah, and sometimes you know, you know you need to stop in too if you're too tired or driving. You need to pull in, get some coffee, get something you know, or yeah. get a little something in you to get you home. You know, yeah. even if you do get a room, sometimes you sleep and you can't sleep good because you're tired and you get up and start heading home and then it's like you get real tired the next day. Sometimes. Well, like for me too, like when after I'd go home. I could still hear the singing. Yeah, I would hear the singing go on, and to me, it, it's I, I just it was like beautiful because I could hear still hear the, especially I used to hear Jose all the time. I'd go home and I could still hear him singing, and uh, it, to me it was I I always liked that. But for some people, I'm like I'm trying to sleep, but for me it was so soothing. I guess you know, um, you know, like and for me, you know, ever since I was young, I mean. My legs would always cramp. I mean, I'd go home, go to sleep, and I'd jumping out of bed, legs cramping. And you know, my parents used to be like, "Well, why do you do it? <laughs> you know what the, what's gonna happen." And I'd be like, "Well, 
I know, but it's something I love, and you know, I'm just gonna continue doing it, you know, and you know, like they were always like, they <laughs> sometimes they weren't as encouraging to for it, you know, like, uh, you know, like uh, I remember, you know, I, when I worked at Sequoia, I didn't make much money, you know, but when they would come up saying, I, you know, I'd lay money down, and they're not worth that much, <laughs> and I said, you know, and I'd say, not to you, but to me, it, yeah, it's worth every penny. And you know they, it took them a long time before them them to start to say, you know that they that they were end up being proud about it that you know I'm glad you're doing this you know, but it, but at the beginning it wasn't like that it was like you know, what do you think you're Undertaker you know, you know why do you have to go and and for me it was always because I wanted to hear this singing there I thought it was just so beautiful. And then to watch what was always going on and ask questions. And, you know, like I tell people, you know, like the old people, they'd see you sleep and they'd hit you. Hey, get up. You're going to miss it. And, you know, as a boy, you know, you'd say, like, I didn't understand. What do you mean I'm going to miss it? You know, or they'd say, you didn't come here to sleep. You know, stay awake. Try your hardest. It was always them, not my own family. But my great-grandmother, she's the one that, you know, they were very proud that I was taking this on because they were like, you know, somebody's going to sing. You know, so the older people there were always very, you know, very good to me. I remember one time we were playing outside, kids, and uh, there was this one boy we were, you know, playing outside, and I was running, and I kicked him in the face. Not on purpose, you know, it was nighttime. We were running, and he was laying on the ground. I didn't see him. I kicked him in the face. He came in crying. And, you know, his mom came, boy, she was just, I mean, ready to beat me up, I think. You know, I kicked her baby, you know, and she was yelling. And one of the oldies got up and said, you stop it right now. If Junior told you that it was an accident, it was an accident. He's a good boy. And you don't need to be talking to him like that. And it stopped her. And, man, I was like, wow, you know. But that's how they felt. They were feeling that they were so happy that somebody was taking this on that it wasn't going to die. And, you know, so, you know, eventually, you know, we sang, I sang for every one of those old people. They end up, you know, passing on. And, but just the stories that they would give you and talk about different things, you know, that uh, what they seen or what they experience, you know, it's like, wow, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I probably wouldn't know as much as I do today from them telling me different things, you know, uh, sharing, you know, um, where, you know, like, uh, like my parents, you know, they, they regret it, you know, they always regret it later that they didn't teach us the language, but they only went by what happened to them. And they were afraid that was going to happen to us, that we'd be beaten and stuff. And so they didn't teach us. But then when we got older, they were like, you know, we should have taught you, you know, but we didn't want you to experience what we experienced. And, you know, now when I look at it, you know, like I knew a lot more words too. Now that they're gone, and I forgot so much, you know, because I, when I was a boy, that's all people still spoke. They only spoke the language, and like I said, where we lived up there was mostly old people. Like when uh, we lived in town when I was a boy, I went to uh, kindergarten, first grade, and half through first grade, we moved back to the reservation. I couldn't even live. I had to live with a family because the bus didn't go through this to um, through the reservation. 
So I had to live with uh, uh, Nicole and those guys because they lived right there in Boulevard. And I had to live with them so I could go to school. And um, their, her, uh, Nicole's great-grandmother, her name was Marie. Uh, that lady, oh, she loved me. You know, cause, and, and I think about it because, you know, living in the house there, there was her, her daughter, and her daughter, and her two daughters. They're all girls. Here I come, this boy. I'd come home, she would have food for me, ready. You know, like she took so good care of me. Like she's like, this is my boy, you know, like kind of like. And like, you know, she take she used to make baskets all the time. We'd go out there and pick the grass. And she we'd go out, be out there, and she said, well, pick that. We're going to use that to make tea out of, to drink. And I think about all these times, like, man, I wish. Sometimes I wish I was older so I could have, you know, know, be able to remember all these things that that you know that when I was a boy of course you know you just forget it but you know I remember when that lady died and that was the first time that I knew what death was that was the first time I remember you know looking at her in the coffin and you know crying and you know trying to wake up wake up you know nothing that's the first time that I really experienced knew what death was, you know, because that, you know, like I said, that old lady treated me so well. You know, like I said, all this, the influence that these people have given me that had taught me how to be, hey, you know, give what you can, do help as much as you can, you know, learn this stuff, pass it on. You know, when I first was uh, going to see Shippec, she wouldn't let me look at none of that stuff. She was like, no, I can't do it. And she said, well, you got to ask Tony. And then Tony told her, you let him go through whatever you have. And so she said, okay. So finally she let me into all the stuff that she had. And one of the things that I did do was go get all her recordings. And we took it to Elster's and we made copies of it. And um, there were some songs on there. And there was, you know, of course, of people talking. There's uh, tapes of her interviewing uh, um, uh, Delfina Cuero. Um, and so when she died, I still had those tapes. And um, Carl was like, well, we need those tapes back. And, uh, you know, he was harassing Elster because he's the one that had them. And I told Elster, yeah, give them back. They're, they're not mine. They belong to the people. I want the people to have I only wanted it because I wanted to know what was on there. So I, whatever I learned, I could teach, tell people. And it belongs to that collection. So give it all back. I Yeah, give it all back because it's important it stay together. But again, you know, like some people would like hoarded it and not let it go. But that's not the right thing to do. The right thing, it belongs to all of us. And that's, you know... That's the one thing that always got ingrained to me. It's not yours. It's ours. It belongs to us. And I think only sometimes lately people want to be able to have this information. So I know this. You don't know it. And it's like, no, that's, that's you know, surely it will die then. No, it's meant for the people. We're, we're supposed to tell, you know, what you know, you know, give it because it don't belong to you it belongs to us and that you know so so for me it was all it's always been about that whatever I learned I was 
this is what I learned, what I've read, what I came across, you know, and, and people help me. Like, um, for instance, the other day, Jay Levy texted me, you know, I don't know if you know who Jay Levy is. From Gokapog? No, he's, he's a, he's an anthropologist. He's, and he was out here when he was a high school. And he was in, uh, so he said, he came, he hung around the Campbell people for a long time because he, he was interested and he was, like I said, he was in high school and they taught him a lot of things. So the other day he texts me and he says, uh, Matam, do you know what that means? I said, yeah, it means like a year. And I said, you know, and uh, cause I remember Leroy, the first time Leroy brought on that word, he said, I think they say Matam for a year. He goes, I heard that. And one day I came across it and I said, Hey, Leroy, it is true what you said. They, I read this where it says Matam means a year. And he goes, Oh. And then Jay Levy said, You know, it's really deeper than that because this is what your people told me. Matam really means like the earth had died. He said, Our people believe that the earth died every year and it was reborn. And he said, you know, so that's where that word comes. It means that the earth had died and now it's reborn. And so that's what it really means. It's not just, you know, like like a year had passed. No, it means that the earth had died and now it's going to be fresh. It's going to come new again. And so I was like, wow, I didn't know that. You know, somebody, you know, taught me that. So right away I start telling people that, you know, hey, because it it helps us with our language and then, part of our philosophy, how we thought and how we did things, you know, um, and why we do these things. You know, there's, like I, you know, I always tell people, you know, like we've been stagnated for a long time. We're not creating and we're not doing. And we need to start doing that again because that brings us alive. You know, um, like, you know, I always, like some people always talk about that, um, colonize colonization you know like like it's a bad thing and I look at it like this you know like um, I like riding in the car <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> I think if everybody says decolonize and I, I get what yeah. they're saying like all the bad history and all that but we all have to be a little bit honest and be yeah. like well there's some things that you know we I mean? yeah I don't mind me a steak once in a while or whatever the Things but, that have changed over the time, but at, but there's also a ways to incorporate it to what becomes ours within yeah. our our thinking, our philosophy. But if we don't know our own philosophy good enough, then how do we incorporate it? You know, just like like a long time ago, if you look at all those stories that happened to deal with animals, and it's because our people studied the animals, they knew their movements, they knew all these things, so they could refer to something, and you would understand that. No, oh, I see that. Well, today, a lot of our kids, you know, I always talk about like my grandsons, they're scared of every little bug. They're like, I don't want to be outside, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's like it, it, there's this whole change. So now we have to take those old stories and modernize them to say here, what this is what we're trying to get you to. This is the moral or here's the value out of it. So that way you have these morals and values that they, you know, like I always tell people, Right and wrong never change. It's always that. It's right and it's wrong. Those things don't change. We might think of it but being different, but there's the truth of it. It's 
So our ways of always we're talking about, yeah, this is why we do these things and this is why you don't do that. So there's that right and wrong to it. But we don't we don't have ways to to tell our children that. You know, when it comes like like now we're look, dealing with the internet, we're dealing with all these different things that but our stories do connect to some of these things. This is why you don't do that. Hey, yeah, you could sit here all day looking at your computer and what's called but the truth of the matter is your bones start to get weak. You're, all these things that, that really physically happening to you because you're not out there. You have to have that, 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 that the um, balance to it. There has to be a balance. Because, yeah, we all do. like Because you can find inf- good information off of this, too. But there has to be a balance. Yeah. And how do we create stories that talk about that balance, that what we've always had? We've always had this balance. But now how do we take it and create it into today's living so that we're always teaching our young people about, like I said, about giving? Because that's the first thing that the creator does is give us something. And that's how we should be, be able to give because we're going to get it back. We're always going to, it's always going to come back. You know, just like I always tell people like this singing has always taken care of me. It's always taken care of me. And, and, and I, that's what a lot of people don't understand because or, or because they don't have, they they never been engaged into it good enough to have that understanding that sometimes like you say you know you could be feeling the worst and you could start singing and it'll start to take that away you know or you you know or you're feeling sad or you could start singing a song that you know bringing that back out of you you know it's it has that power. But you have to know it. You, you're not going to get that by, I know this one, only this this one song. No, because there's a whole series of it. There's a whole, you know, it all comes together. It's all about life. And when you start to learn all of that, then you really see the importance of it. That's why you don't want it to die. That's why, you know, we try to keep it going, you know. And, and you know, like, like we do know, like, you know, we know that these songs from not meant to our, for our funerals. We had other songs for that. But this is the only one that we have left. And the way the old people used to say is because it came from the creator, it's all prayers. You know, that, that's how the old people used to say that it's prayers. It comes from the creator himself. You know, talking about the snake, you know, it came from him. So it's it's prayers. It, we, we can utilize it that way. So when you know the songs, whatever you're coming to sing for, you know, you try to incorporate those songs for what you're doing there. You know, like one time we came to sing for Vicky Kambala. She was going to retire. So I said, oh, you know, we're going to sing that song talking about go fishing. Because, you know, you always hear that. Oh, I got time to go fishing. I'm retired. So I said, so we're going to sing that song about fishing because she's retiring. So we're going to try to put it to that, you know. And grant you, I don't know all the songs. I don't know every meaning. But the ones that I do know... I try to place them into things that whatever we're doing. Again, that, you know, we're singing because of that. And we're trying to put place those songs for that. But that's learning to try to learn as much as you can. Like, you know, uh, Chris Alvarado says now he has them all translated. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, I am too. I was interested. You know, yeah, because, you know, uh, and uh, Tony knows a lot of language too. And he's been trying to do that too. And, you know, and one of the things that, that that he was saying 
is that you know like because uh, like like if I know a little bit about that song, I'll tell them it and I'll say well because that's our dialect down here. So, and what we're kind of realizing that, that the songs are in all the different dialects. That you know that they're that maybe they sing it this way because it this is how they say it over there, where we sing it over here because this is how we say it over here, but you could see that, you know that 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 it, it that makes sense these songs, they're just in you know now it's the problem of putting it together, and seeing the different dialects in it you know like for like for instance, the quit songs like the Coca Pasa, the ones that say that, that they sing that, that song. Uh, so, George told us that song's talking about it's a long time before the sun comes up. So, we have a long ways to go for the. Down there, they say all oh, the birds are lost. But, Mut is the mountain, and Ya is the sun. And that's what he's saying. It's a long time before. We still have a long ways to go because the sun hasn't come over the mountain yet. But down there, they're saying, no, no, it's talking about the birds are lost. And they're uh, find, looking for their, trying to find their way back. And I was like, wow, you know, so that's, that, that's a big difference. And so uh, I asked Stan one time, and... Uh, He's like, um, well, no, no, it means the same thing down down there too, and and down in the, the tribes down there. And I was wondering, is he telling me the truth or not? You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, you know? it is hard though, because you know, like, uh, I was a Pion song uh, that Kimakima. I always hear that. Yeah. Was, oh, that's the dance. Kima Kima is the dance, and then. Uh, Someone was saying, no, no, that's not what that means. It actually means to go to sleep. You want to go to sleep? Come on. Because I was like, well, when I hear Shema, come Shema, come Kishma, go to sleep, go to sleep. Yeah. Shema, I was, I was raised Shema is to sleep. Yeah. Come on. Come on. When I was raised, it was a male <laughs> penis. Yes. You know, I guess a flaccid one. Yeah. Umaro could be a hard one, I guess. I don't know. But so, but in the Northern dialects, Hama is, is interchangeable with Shema. Yeah. So they'd say, you know, come Hama, go to sleep. So if you're singing... Kama, Kama, you're actually saying sleep, sleep, sleep. So they would be singing Kima, 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 go to sleep, go to sleep. Whereas I've always heard that song, Kima is to dance, or Ima is to dance. Kama is like a command, like dancing yeah. the sticks, or you're dancing. You know, there's a few of those songs that yeah. you're, you're dancing the sticks over, essentially. Yeah. But it, again, it's just uh, the same word, same sound, pretty much. You know, and I, I remember. Uh, we were, they were singing, we were singing down here, doing something, and uh, Leroy, the late Leroy, was here, and uh, he leans to me. He goes, "You know, the song is real simple. Just the, the, the sun's going over the mountain, you know." He says, "But I've heard people get up and they'll say it's about uh, the rabbit." And I said, "The rabbit," and he said, "Yeah, you know, Kunyao, the name of a rabbit." Yeah. He said, "But you know, Kunyao, the sun, Kunyao, a hop, you know, it's going up." He said, "Well, they say the rabbit's coming out of the house." And it was, and I, and I was like, huh, okay, well, you know, he spoke the language really well. He traveled new dialects and stuff. But he, he just said like that's just people who don't uh, like you hear the song is taught to you this way, and that's kind of what you know about it according to the language you speak. And then there's people who speak the language well don't know that, and they're just listening to the song, and they're gonna have their own their own thought process as to what the song means. That being said, I went out to Yuma one time and I was listening to them singing. And uh, one of the, the leaders there was telling his student, they sang it right before midnight. 
And he told, I heard him, and he said, this song is talking about the rabbit in the moon. Now you can see it going up and over. Now it's going to be midnight. The same song. And I thought, you know, it's weird because all saying different things. But they're really all saying the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it was really interesting to hear that. Um, and, and then and then you start listening to the language differences just in our own tribe here. And then you go to the next tribe and they have their language differences. And you realize how old these songs are. That's why, like, when I hear about a project where it's like, okay, we got all the songs, we know all the meanings. I want to hear that because I do know that some of the tribes have different meaning and interpretations for yeah. some of it. And it makes it difficult. And so to me, it's always like, well, I'm just going to listen to, <laughs> I'll listen to them all. You know, I don't want to discredit yeah. nobody either. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's, uh, you know, like I said, for me, uh, I just want, if there's some songs there I don't know and I can learn, okay. I'll, yeah. What's the harm? Uh, yeah. You know, and like I said, you know, uh, I, I don't know them all. I don't know all the meanings. And, you know, and that's what I was told to young boys when it's, I said, you know, I don't, I don't sing them all. I hear songs people sing, and I don't sing them. That doesn't mean that it doesn't go in here. You know, it's it's you know, it's just it's it's part of it. There's probably you know, uh, there's 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 a lot of songs, and um, you know, I, I'm not the the one that knows it all, or act, or or even want to act like I know it all because I don't. And um, you know, the biggest thing is just to be humble about it. You know humble don't go around acting like you know it all or you're the end of all you know that because it's uh, i remember even george would say that i don't know this song either you know and i i see that even with um uh, some of the tapes that were out there were you know some of the singers saying I, I don't know i remember one time kenny telling me that you know kenny phillips like i sang with him a lot you know and that was dale's brother and Kitty told me, he goes, oh, yeah, Paul, you know, one time we went sang in town, in Yuma. And they said, well, can you tell us what these songs mean? He goes, I got up, man. I said some good things, you know. Because <laughs> I, I don't know what they mean, but, yeah. you know, I had to make something up. They, <laughs> they listen, huh? <laughs> you know, and. Uh, yeah. But, it, I mean, at the same time, like, how can you explain so much in such little time? Yeah. You know I mean? and, and, and he spoke Kokopa, you know, yeah. he, you know. But he was, you know, he was saying the same thing. Yeah, there's, you know. And like one time, you know, the first time I sang by myself was at um, old man Domingo Quarrel's funeral. We were waiting for the singers to come, you know, waiting for it. And some of the older people said, you need to start singing. Start. I'm like, no. No, no, no. I'm, I'm waiting for Kenny to get here. I sing with him. I'm not... They said, no, you, you know some songs start. I kept saying no, and they said, no, you you know, that's not right. You you know this, you should do it. I said, well, I know some. So I, I started singing. Well, Kenny got there. He was sitting outside listening, you know. <laughs> Finally, you know, I took a break, and then he came in, and he goes, man, you know, there's some songs that you're singing that I don't sing. And um, I came across that with uh, Linwood, too. Linwood said, "Hey, you know these the begin those beginning songs that you're singing. I don't sing those." And I told Linwood, "I said I'll give you a tape. This is the first fifty songs that we sing." So I said, "You know, here, you know, until so, you know he's he's been listening to it. I guess you know I don't. I for me, I was just like if I can help you here, you know, because again, you know, it belongs to all of us. But at the same time, too, I, I what I want to is them to recognize who it comes from. You know, it comes from our people here." 
when you get down there, a lot of those elders know that, but they're dying off. And they're starting to think, well, no, this is our song, you know. But you talk to their elders, and they'll tell you, oh, no, no, it's not. You know, We know where it came from. But now you're getting to generations where they don't know that. And like I said, it's all about respect, you know. Just have respect for it. That's, that's all we're asking. You want to sing it? Good. Go ahead. But have respect for it. And, you know, like, I don't know if you've seen those people that are in um, Texas that are doing it. Where, not belong. Where it, it it's yeah. so di- disrespectful, yeah, and and they're and they're just lying, you know. Oh, this was our song a long time ago, when they know that these people were a mixed people that came together, and and yet you know they're exploiting it, you know, and, and not just telling the truth. And the truth of the matter is, they said one of those guys came from L.A. and he went back and started teaching because what he had heard out here, and so. It's not that they um, they have had these songs a long time ago. It was somebody that came out here and then took it back home over there and and now you know made up their own songs. But oh my God, they they're just so no rhythm, no you know. It's a mess. Yeah, it's, they should just come out and say this is something we developed right now. Yeah, and I don't know how they and it's crazy because they're getting endorsed by by uh, professional basketball team, by universities. They're getting endorsed by these large entities, and they really can't in any way track where they learn these things. And it's not like 100 years ago where there was no photography or film or anything like that. Uh, like I was reading a, a book. Um, I don't know if you read this. It's really good. Uh, it's, it's called, I think it's called Medicine Man. But it's of a doctor who lived up in San Isabel from like 1914, 15 to like the 1930s, somewhere in there. I just got that book. It's great. You're going to love it because you go, if you haven't read it yet, you go, he goes, he talks about going to all these locations and he's going to, he goes out to Campo. Uh, he goes out to Manzanita. Here, um, Viejas isn't developed yet, so it's Los Canales. Yeah. And what's great is that he documents like who he talks to. So my grand, my great grandfather's in there. He talks about him and his kids. Uh, my my on my mom's side, and he talks about my father's great great grandfather up in San Isabel, and my wife's family. You know, he's talking about all these families, and it's like if you know who those families are, you know exactly who he's talking about. Yeah. But he has a story where he talks about coming down to um, Los Canales. Uh, we had a gathering down there. And what he says is that he brought his uh, his son and, and uh, his his good friend and, and their women, and they came down. Well, they got word that the next village over, there was somebody that was sick or injured, so he had to go through the middle of the night to go tend to him. But he left his women there in, in Los Canejos. And so from their like, diary entries, they were all nervous. They thought for sure when the sun goes down, the Indians are going to come swarm these white women. <laughs> and, it's, and it's real funny to hear them describe it, you know? Kind of reminds me of a scene out of um, was it Little Big Man when they uh-huh. swear, which is like they're coming for me now. But what they what they describe is that they they go to the little hut that was made for them. The Indians down there, you know, told them, "Hey, we made these huts for people coming in. We want to give you one." Like you were saying earlier, give the fire, give uh, wood and some food and stuff, and you know you can turn in whenever. And so they were all scared when the sun went down, but they went and laid down. And what they they heard is they heard a, a gourd rattle and they heard some singing. And they look out and they describe that you know them singing bird essentially. And then they were talking, you know, later on they start talking as they got later, they, they started describing the peon games. And it's, it's really cool to hear that because that's like 19 teens, 1920s yeah. down in Los Canejos. It's a real small population. Uh, out of that group that came up to Viejas, I think there was only like 30 that came out of that village. Oh, and it's cool. Cause that's like, that's my family essentially like the La Chapa's down there. Um, my, my great, great, great grandfather was the, 
the uh, the captain slash like you know BIA police later on and stuff. And his grandson was a singer that sang down there. But it's all documented in that book, uh-huh. and it's really cool um, because there's a longevity to it. Where you know we can go back now online and see pictures of of us doing this 20 years ago. You know, you can go to the newspaper and see our people doing this. You know, 50 years ago, 40 years ago, you got ethnographies of us doing it. We have books like that, you know, going way back. But then you have this group popping out of nowhere, Texas, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is traditional to us. But they have none of that. They have no lineage to the songs. And I I personally always tell the youngsters and everybody at this point, the lineage is really what helps those songs along and a lot of our ways along. Because when when we're singing a song or, or, you know, um, whatever the song is, for me, I can hear another singer singing it. And a lot of times it's someone passed on. So if I'm singing a song, I can remember Leroy singing that or Kenny or these other guys that are a lot of them are passed on or other singers who are active. I can hear them singing that song in my ear. And it's cool because that's like a connection to older singers. And that predates me, predates all of us. Yeah. It goes way, way, way back. That's like a connection that makes it sacred in some, in some regards that it's been passed down generational. And then it's really a... Uh, for me, it's a real humbling thing because it's like, okay, in a hundred years from now, they're not, no one's probably going to remember me that I ever sang a song or got, you know, participated, but it's like, if we now do it in a good way, they'll still have the songs and they'll be doing it in a good way and they'll yeah. still be going forward. And so that's a real humbling thing. I, I like to think about sometimes. Yeah. I, I just got that book and, uh, I think Dave Toller gave it to me. Yeah. That's who sent me one. Yeah. I was talking to him. He said, you know what? I have a copy. I'll send one good book get a chance yeah medicine man i'll uh i forget the name on there but i'll probably throw it on the screen on here for everybody to see but it's great for our region and it really does talk about a lot of the lifestyle that they had at that time and you know life was hard life was different they didn't they weren't able to just get in the car and drive to the next res like they can now they described los conejos being like this real arduous you know deep trek into the you know yeah. most rural part of san diego county well, I mean, I, really, I mean, like, uh, it's really down, down in the, in the valley <laughs> it's there. Down I mean, there, it's man. easy yeah. to get there with a car, yeah. but can you imagine when they didn't have roads and it's just walking down? It's a whole different lifestyle. Yeah. My my mom's uh, grandfather was married to a woman, and uh, she, they were down there. And when they came up to Canelo, she was already an old woman. She was, like, in her 90s. And I, apparently she had never, uh, she only spoke Kamei, and she had never seen the ocean in her lifetime. Because they were so rural, so far down there. By the time it was safe, when she was a young girl, it wasn't safe for young girls to kind of travel around. Yeah. So they kind of kept her down there protected. And by the time she was able to kind of, it was safer to travel around. She was an old woman, so she never made it down to the down the hill and back. So she was, she passed on up here in Viejas, but she had never seen the ocean in her life. And I don't know things like that give real perspective to yeah where we're at and where we're going. So um, well, and it gives yeah. that that you know that's why. Uh... Know, we need a place down there of our own that you know where we know it belongs to us you know like because um, in some perspective you know we talk about freedom but the truth of the matter we don't have freedom not the freedom that we knew what freedom was you know like uh, you know I was talking to somebody we're talking about the uh the pandemic, you know, they're saying wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Now going to be mandatory that um, some places make it mandatory that you have to get the shots. 
you know, or you can't work here. And it's like, well, where's the freedom? You know, it should be up to the individual. If they want it, they don't want it, you know. Because that's what freedom is. And, you know, what they don't realize, the outside community, when we talk about freedom, you know, like um, for us, I, we come out here and build a fire and sit in front of it. And down there you have to get a permit and you have to, you know, have do all these different things. And it's like, then they look at us and say, why do they get to have that? You can have it too. But you chose to put these things in place. You chose to take your freedoms away. We, we haven't done that. So in some perspective, we kind of have too, though. But, but you know, we still know what, what freedom is. And, um, you know, now it's getting to be where our government's taking some of our freedoms away. And um, we're not as free as, you know, as, as people think we are. And we knew what freedom was, you know. We, we knew it. And... You know, and and then now we know what it's like to be, you know, uh, not able to go. Like you're talking about the, the old lady never getting a chance to go see the ocean. And it's all because what could happen to her, you know. Uh, luckily, ch- times are kind of changing somewhat, but then, I don't know. I mean, it seems like uh, things are getting bad, <laughs> Yeah, it, I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting times. But, um, you know, how do we make sure that we survive it? You know, how do we make sure that we, uh, you know, we're in the 22nd century? You know, that, um, you know, that, that we still retain some of these things that we've always had. You know, our, our freedom to believe and our freedom to sing and our freedom to do, um, to utilize that freedom, you know, that's 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 what we want to hold on to. But we're not going to hold on to that if we're not involved. And that's what, you know, again, you know, it, co- it comes back to that, you know, like, um, you know, we have to hold on to these things. Not one person can hold on to it because when that person's gone, then it's gone. You know, we see that happen a lot with our elders, you know, like every time one of them die, we lose a part of us. You know, we lose something, you know, that uh, we didn't know. And it could be a simple thing as that. Hey, I remember when they put that well in over here and this is what they came across. I mean, just simple things like that, that, you know, uh, we don't have. I mean, like right now, you know, when I look at, like, even our graveyard, there's people there I don't know. Like the other day, I was looking for my great-great-grandfather, and I can't, I don't know where he's buried at. And we don't have nothing written to say, yeah, that's this person, this person, this person, this person. You know, and um, and someday, you know, it's going to take us to take care of it. You know, like now when I see... When it comes to, you know, November 2nd, everybody decorates, you know, the crosses. There's some, a lot of crosses that are not being decorated because the family's gone or nobody knows who they are. And that's where we're supposed to come in and say, we're going to do it, you know. Uh, they're, they're still our people. We're, you know, we're going we're gonna to take care of them. 
You know, that's like when I tell people, like, you know, we have graveyard cleaning. What's that? I go, we go cut the weeds. We take care, take care of it. Because I've been to some graveyards where they don't take care of it. It's like. Yeah. Or they have, like, their staff come take care of it. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, you know, uh, no, we've always taken care of this, making sure we cut the weeds and, you know, uh, you know, some of it, you know, uh, you know, like uh, today, you know, uh, a lot of these people's taken on our ways, you know, like, uh, you know, we always hear we're a Christian, Judeo country, but when you look at what they believe, um, they believe that once you die, you go to sleep. We believe once we die, we stay here a year, and then we send them to heaven as we know it. And now you hear a lot of people talking about, oh, you know, they're looking down on us. Well, that, that comes from our belief system. That's not theirs. Theirs is that they're sleeping and waiting for resurrection. Ours is that, hey, they're, 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 they're there, and we're going to meet them again. You know that, and so you hear a lot more people thinking that way, or that hey, that that's not your belief, that's ours. That's the beauty of ours. Yeah. And our own, like I said, our own people can't even see it. Hey, we have the ceremony to make sure we get them there. It takes us to get them there. Oh, I'm not gonna have. We're just gonna bless the headstone. We're we're not making that journey for them. We're not helping them get there. That that that's the beauty of it. That that we're sending these people. We're we're kind of flipping. We're be taking their beliefs. Where yeah, you're going to see people. Nobody cares. You know, that's it. Where ours is like, no, we're we're going to meet them again. Mm-hmm. They're up there. And like I said, the, the white people believe that more than we do. Now it seems like. <laughs> well, I think they would say uh, they attach that to the Lion King, Disney's Lion King with Mufasa in the sky. <laughs> I think that. Uh... It helped everybody realize the ancestors are looking down on us yeah. or something like that. But, I mean, it lets people, uh, you know, when we talk about journeying on on the other side, you know, like it's a proactive or an active thought process that our people are going to journey on to be with the creator. Sleeping's, you know, one thing, but I don't know. I like to think of my old ones when they pass on that they're on a journey, that they're strong again, that they're, you know, yeah. living their best life. Their soul has gone on to do the best thing, you know, and. Oh, you know, I like know. I, I too. I like I like to believe that uh, sometimes they come and see us. Like I, for me, I always yeah. like I see them in my dreams. Like a lot of times, I'll dream about my parents, my sister. You know, they come and talk, come talk to me. You know, come and it feels good. You know, I know that they're still around. You know, and that's uh, you know, that's that that's the beauty in it. That you know, uh, that they're waiting for me. That someday I'll I'll be there to join them again. You know, that's. Um, but we'll have somebody to show us the way. You know, they're there to to greet us. That's how the old people. When we do that ceremony, they're doing one too. We're sad on this side. They're happy on that side because they're welcoming them home. And you know, we're over here. We're, yeah, we we're not gonna see them. We're sad. But over there, they're celebrating because they're coming home. And we'll all get. You know, I always tell people. You know, that big difference that we have. When it comes to Christianity, is that we don't have a hell, and we're equal to all the animals and all the plants. We're equal to those things. Where in the Bible, you know, God put man over everything. For us, we weren't. We weren't over them. We were equal to them. So that means we don't have the right to exploit them because they're the same as us. 
We don't have a right to wipe them out. We don't have a right to say, you can't do this. They're equal to us. And that's, that's really big. So that means that, you know, that we, in some perspective, we take care of each other, you know. And so, you know, there, I mean, it's just that philosophy that our people have. That, that when you really look down to it, it's a very beautiful thing. You're never, not too, you're never busy enough where you can just, there's never enough time. Like my wife was saying that, you know, you, you ever talk to old people, they always tell you, I wish I had more time. More time, I wanted to do this, I wanted to do that, but I didn't have the time. Time is short. Make the best out of it, you know. Do what makes you happy, what makes everybody happy, you know. I do believe a couple of things. One, I believe when I pass on, when that day does come, I do think there will be people in place to keep it going. And I think a lot of that has to do with you and, and people like you in our community who have who devoted a big chunk of your life to not only live this lifestyle and walk this way, but to teach others. Because you do see younger generations, my age and lower, be able to learn these things. And, and they're in a process of learning and mastering and, and getting it to the next generation. You're seeing little kids participating. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful for that, to, to know that, that I think it'll continue. Yeah. strengthen like that and I, and I believe that we, I do I agree too that we have a very beautiful culture beautiful way and you know and I, I just want to thank you too because a few years ago I went through some hardships in my personal life and it was rough man I'm, I'm kind of in front of a lot of people sometimes so when when you fall down in front of everybody hey, everybody sees it and everybody wants to have something to say but um, it was very hard on my family and myself on top of all of that I'd lost a really good childhood friend that I grew up with and I was at his funeral and I remember you came over to me and you told me uh, when it was done, you said, you know, you know, singing's in your heart, keep doing it, you know, keep doing, keep doing what's in your heart, you know, and, and you promoted me to, to uh, keep doing what, you know, continuing on and uh, encouraging in that way. And I think that that's something that is powerful for our people. We forget to do that sometimes or we don't do it enough, uh, which is to encourage one another to continue yeah. on, stay coarse, stay strong. Our people have gone through so much. And, you know, so many hardships and they would not have gotten to where we are today if they didn't encourage one another and, and stay yes. course through hard times and learn and grow and, and come out of those hard times, you know, sometimes stronger, sometimes weaker, but, you know, always wiser. And I'm really thankful for my ancestors, thankful for uh, my family, my people, um, I'm thankful for you and, and all the people around, you know, we're really blessed and we take, I, you know, I think we take it for granted sometimes what we have in our communities, you know, the circle, this ability to come together, support each other, and in sad times, happy times, you know, and everything in between. I'm always very thankful for all the opportunities I've ever given, the life that I've lived, lessons I've learned, and, and people who have always been supportive. And, you know, thank you so much for all the support. You know, when I first started running Pion games, I was scared, you know, and I remember uh, John said, can you run these games? I won't be able to make it. And I was kind of like, you have to, because he was going out of town. It was the next night. I said, yeah, I guess. He said, no, if you have any problems, just go ask Junior. You know, Junior will help you out. And I said, all right, I will. So, you know, and I told you that night, I said, hey, I'm running the games, but, you know, I'm a little shaky. But, you know, I'm going to come to you if I don't, you know, if I have any issues. And you were like, yeah, no, you know, come come see me if you know if you need any help, whatever. I didn't need any pro I didn't need any help that night. Everything was real smooth, luckily. But um, moments like that are huge, you know, and they yeah. really do uh, promote the next generation. So well, you thank know, the, you for that. The one thing I always told the boys when and the girls when we saying that you know that you got to understand this you're not the first meaning that you're going through something you're not the first person to experience this 
You're not the last one. The one thing that we can say is you're not alone. We're here for you. We're, that's, you know, so that's what I get out of singing. You know, like, again, you know, the experience that I have had, it's not the first time other people have experience. You know, I've had my bad days and sad times. And nobody's exempt from none of this stuff. But the, the, the one thing that we could count on is we're not alone. That, that's where we come together. And, you know, as long as we do that, we'll always be strong. We'll always be here. And these songs will always last throughout the times, you know. But those, that's what you have to have that thinking, though. And that, you know, again, you know, that's, again, getting back to the philosophy and the morals and the values of it. Because that's what kept it intact. That's what kept this all this you know this thing going, and you know like I always tell people you know it's never too late. It's never too late to do this, you know. I like I remember like uh, George used to think that he used to say you know people would ask him can you teach me and he'd say you're too old, and he would say, and they well, what do you mean I'm too old? And he goes because you're not going to listen to me. You're already a man. You're already grown. You know what you need to do. I'm going to tell you things, and you're going to say, well, no, I think I'm going to do it this way because you're a man. He said, so that's why he would say you're too old. You know, and I guess probably too, like I don't have the time. But the truth of the matter is anybody can learn this. It's never too late. You know, um, you know, like I said, uh, if anything that we want you to leave with is just to have respect for. If you take that away, you take a lot away. You take that, if you take that to you, that, that you know, I'm going to respect this no matter what, you know, then yeah, you're doing all of us a great thing by respecting that. And, you know, and always teaching that. Just have respect. For, you know, like you said, it's not for everybody. That's okay. Just respect it, you know, because it's, it's something that's been passed down for, we don't know how long. We just estimate, but, you know, we don't know how long been doing this you know i we know it's been you know thousands of years that's what you know like some of the elders would say i don't know what it was with bird that it hung around stood this test of time but it's still here and you know where we lost a lot of other songs because our people were trying to survive you know they were trying to survive and not everything they you know you know and so it's it's no fault but we can always create Look at Deepai. Deepai is a newer song. It was created. We could do that, but we have to we have to know our language, you know, that, you know, so that we, um, you know, we could do it. And, you know, like I always tell people, yeah, even Pion songs, you can make your own up. Make your own Pion songs. Learn some language. Yeah, what was that song up north? The Love the Logger? Or what yeah, that? Lucky Logger. <laughs> Lucky Logger. That might be another jam coming this way. Well, man, I really appreciate you coming here and all that you do. Like I said, you know, you're an elder in our in our area here and all around. Like I said, even the great Mike Morales said the number one singer is Junior, and I can't disagree. It's good to have you here, and you got to come back in sometime. Yeah. Sharing and but I know Jodine's probably going. Where's Junior? <laughs> so, so I know my wife's probably hit me up too. It's been yeah. good talking to you, though. Thank uh, you for inviting me, and like yeah. I said, you know. This is a good thing what you're doing because it's um, sometimes people don't have the time. You know, we're, we're in a generation where we have to give it the, the things to them because they're going to do it on their time. And it's because the world's moving so fast. And, you know, so we have to make it available. 
And that's what you're doing here by doing this is, you know, because once it's out there, well, you could take any time to listen to it. Yeah. 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there. I always yeah. tell people that someone told me, why don't you just make 20 minute videos? I said, well, it's long, but you don't have to listen to it all at once. You can yeah. just chunk it out here and there, you know, but it's there, you know? Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. And with that, Junior, live from the res. Holla.